Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast, the May 20th, 2017 edition. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining me today are the two usuals. We've got Josh Torres and Adam Vitali. How are you doing, gentlemen? What's up, people? We're at it once yes. more. Once Coming more. Coming back stronger than ever. I'm uh, just kidding. It's fucking hot outside. I'm melting. Does It's been absolutely ridiculous. I, no. I went out today, and so I went to do some clothes shopping because uh, uh-huh. I figured I've still got mostly cold weather clothing from my time yeah. in Iowa because I mostly most of the year is not that warm. And so oh yeah, like there's the definitely the time. There's like your first proper like hot exposure in California. Yeah, I mean I've been here since last March, so it's more like you know I'm I'm just now getting it that you know this is going to be the way it is all year round because I went through the quote unquote winter time. <laughs> and yeah, so, just kind of almost non-existent in California. So I, I made the mistake though, is that I went out there to uh, do some clothes shopping and then I didn't really find anything that I wanted. And as soon as I stepped outside, I saw, um, I was at a corner mm-hmm. and at each corner there was a restaurant. And so on one corner there was a Panera's, another corner there was uh, a favorite, like a local favorite sandwich shop. Uh, and then another corner there was an In-N-Out and then the other corner, there was a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and so... I, Were you around, like, the the Lone Hill area? Because like, I know there's, like, Coles. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. It's going to be North... Chick-fil-A, and then Pickup Sticks just opened up there. Pickup Sticks? I'm not even familiar with what that is. It's like a semi-fancy Chinese uh, joint. Oh. It's all right. Okay, so Pickup Chopsticks. Yeah, so... Uh, no, I, I, maybe, because there was a Coles there. It's got like, staples and everything. It's, like, on North Grand and Valley. So, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I went over there, and then like, so I didn't get any clothes, but instead I went uh, to the Chick Fil A because I was uh, very thirsty for a milkshake. But I also walked into Staples, and is it just me or is that like the deadest place? Like almost it, every Staples is completely yeah. Staples, barren. Office Depot, just around this area, they're all dying. Like I, I stepped into an Office Depot uh, last weekend because I had to pick up Sticky Tack. Uh, because I was uh, modding my fight stick, and then like the two to three people I asked there, when I asked them for sticky tack or blue tack, could be called that, that too. They're like, they had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. And I was like, I mean, well, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. So <laughs> it might be a regional thing because yeah. uh, like uh, because I asked my friend, I knew what sticky tack was because I had friends that I used to know before who were lived around where he was. So maybe that's like a, just a regional thing of what they called it by. It just, it just stuck with me. It sounds like that would probably be more like at a computer store. Like not even like a staple store necessarily, but like a very like a, a very hard computer hardware Isn't store. Sticky Tack like the kind of stuff you can sometimes use to put up like posters? Yeah, you know, yeah. Rather, it's, rather it's, than it's using like, like... It's like, like Play-Doh, uh, like pins. a piece of Play-Doh. Yeah. yeah. Just use some like 3M, whatever, like the... I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised that no one was able to help you there. It just feels like no one is really in that store to help anybody anyway. No, pretty much. A, I mean, even though yeah. this is a Saturday, and yet it was still kind of dead out there, and I was just surprised because everything's either overpriced or you know, or actually it's overpriced and uh, cheap quality. I, I'm assuming the only reason Staples is still open is because of the business side of things. Like they got a lot of corporate, corporate partners that yeah. are helping them stay alive. Which yeah. reminds me a, a lot, lot of like, branches have been have closed down within months, just over the past years here. Just it's, not, yeah. I, within the next five years, I don't think there'll be any staples or office depots around here. Isn't like so Circuit City? Of course, it shut down all its physical stores, and then it uh, like eventually yeah. had an online store. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they announce not long ago that Circuit City was making another like physical store again? 
Mm, I, look, like, I feel like I've heard that. That's not unfamiliar. I'm uh, pretty sure because like, when I heard the news, I was kind of shocked. Uh, yep, okay. Actually, I think this was announced like uh, maybe last year. Is that, yeah, they were, they were opening up another store and i guess it might have been yeah it was actually early 2016 when they announced it they were gonna okay. announce uh, they opened a new one in uh texas i don't know if sure why not opened. yeah so. yeah the, the only the only like reliable one of those still around is like fry's electronics down like city industry yeah um, yeah yeah you should, probably should have gone to fry's honestly for like sticky tech i i but i mean it's like i'm traveling out like maybe 15 20 minutes for sticky tech so at, that, yeah. at some point it's just like that seems I, I do like the atmosphere there but i just i don't have many reasons to go there much oh oh by the way uh news update it was delayed indefinitely for the opening of a new circuit city store so well that's... that surprising no the only, the only good thing about circuit city was the fact that when they were shutting down they had like those massive clearing sales like it reminds me a lot of the of around that time when a lot of those types of stores were shutting down because you've got so you had circuit city and this was probably before then but you had like was it Suncoast? Yeah, Suncoast, um, Steam Goody, you know, those types of stores. And that was like the perfect place to just wait until uh, they had the deep discount or like, you know, a Kmart that was closing. So uh, I was able to pick up a lot of like games and accessories and things like that i think like sam goody when that store was shutting down i don't know if any of you guys took advantage of when those stores were shutting down if you had any near you i don't think we had a sam goody around here i think that like so sam goody was the only was the place where i picked up my one and only figure (laughs) that i ever got which one was it it's alvis from uh, last exile uh oh okay Yeah. yeah and it's like a little bobblehead like glass figurine kind of thing <laughs> and so i thought that's oh that's pretty cool I, I like i had very fond memories of watching last exile when it was on uh cartoon network growing up i used to just watch all the episodes and mm-hmm. uh that ending kind of destroyed me and so like i had like these really powerful memories and that's where i picked that up but otherwise you know you know those very like media heavy stores just don't really don't really exist as much anymore outside of either like the used stores or you know, if they're part of a much larger store like Best Buy or something like that, like... It, it was it was fascinating uh, to hear kind of like the gradual downfall of Radio Shack because I had a friend who like worked <laughs> for for them for like a couple of years and just like he was de- during that period where like it was like just kind of slowly gradually dying down and he just this, as the stories went on it was just like man. I really need to move on. Like I don't know why you haven't moved on yet. Well, didn't they try is to? Radio call... Shack actually dead now, or are they yeah. still in the slow process of dying? It's it's dead. Uh, yeah. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they tried to rebrand themselves as the Shack or something like that. Isn't that true? I remember this. Yeah, yeah. That, that... it didn't follow through. They they only some of the stories actually changed over. The rest Shack. kind of stayed as Radio Shack because they soon realized it's kind of hard to ditch uh, your name recognition, like all the name recognition and the brand that you built up for years so that's actually that was actually a very stupid idea for many reasons because uh, it's like you know if google changed its permanent name to alphabet like no one would really recognize that name anymore right like no one, like alphabet what like it, it, oh. it's always it's it always kind of fascinates me that like when uh just brands kind of like get away from like memorable like ch- like tunes that they have like like the Sega like Sega like tune. Oh, they got like, bring that was, back. The, they yeah, did there, bring there that was back, a, actually. They, yeah, they did bring that back, uh, but they tried to get away from it from like uh, several years ago, and uh, people were like, "Man, that is kind of weird." And then like a local uh, food chain here, El Pollo Loco, they had like that flamboyant El Pollo Loco thing at the end of their commercials, <laughs> and then they tried to get away from it. People were like, "Man, this is." 
it's not they'll pull you look like kind no, of, no. Right? not really related but I, I i remember like some square enix games like in around like 2005 to 2010 or something like that did a similar thing where they'd have one of the characters from the game shout square enix oh like, that's totally that's true a, and yeah actually street. speaking of which i think like for sega the only time i've heard that like it anymore is when you put like a project diva game and hatsune miko says sega that's like the only time I hear that anymore. I don't know if I've heard it in like a recent Real game. Real Tetris of like, has it. Oh, okay. Because that. Oh, yes. I actually I play the Japanese version, so they definitely do that. Does I know that Sega still has that the chime um, in the Sonic games for that, but I think they should totally bring that back like, permanently because it's it's so damn good. Like that's the stuff. Like things like nostalgia. And it's one of those. It's like it's ingrained in your DNA now. You have to embrace it unless uh, because if you don't, you're just going to alienate like people who've stuck with you and it's like it just it just creates that weird kind of like dissonant feeling <laughs> oh, absolutely and it's like i mean that's that's kind of who they need to tailor towards like the hardcore fans the people that grew up playing their games i think that's 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 so important and um you know for, for the many respects though it's it's just kind of fun to see uh some companies try to do that again because you know like snk is trying to bring them back their old ips and stuff like that we'll talk later in the news about how sega is doing the same thing and i think that's kind of important now more than ever because it feels like that nostalgia hit is popular again uh just because you know nintendo with its nes classic and all that other stuff well um, what's pretty uh, what's old is new again and we're gonna see multiple instances of that in the news for yeah we got a lot of that bizarre stuff. reasons we got a lot of that to talk about <laughs> but first before we get into the news though as always we'd like to talk about the games that we've been playing and other recent happenings and so josh um recently actually uh, just a few hours ago you posted your review for dragon dragon quest heroes 2 uh you yeah. seem kind of mixed but it was another above average type of game it sounds like yeah, I, I mentioned a few podcasts ago that Dragon Quest Heroes 2 has like the weird inverse problem that the first one had. It, the advancements in gameplay is a direct opposite from the first one. The first one was too tight, bogged down by its mission design of base defense and whatnot. Uh, and this one really excels at, you know, branching that out. You have all these sorts of like missions, taking the offensive to the enemy, breaching like an enemy castle, or you could be like leading an army. And whatnot, and just it, it's it's a lot less defensive missions, and uh, you know more on the offensive side. But you still have you know uh, shades like of the first one uh, coming back uh, with your escort and uh, base defense. But I think the real big letdown of Dragon Quest Heroes too, and that like the really big obstacle that kind of I wanted to really love this game, but its story is just a big bummer. Uh, story is very cookie cutter, which is. You know, not a bad thing in this sort of game because, you know, I'm not going to, like, a, a Dynasty Warriors-ish uh, spinoff Dragon Quest game for a great story. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, it goes through, like, you know, the same, like, story beats, like, you know, there's this ancient prophecy and obviously it's going to boil down to you saving the world because there's some big baddie. But just, I, I was okay with its, like, you know, generic flow of, like, hey, you're trying to prevent a war from these kingdoms, uh, you know, go, going out and you're meeting, you know, dragon past Dragon Quest heroes along the way. Yeah. But there's, like, this place that, like, the final, like, halfway to the third of the game, you kind of meet, you know, the main antagonist behind it all. And it just comes out so out of nowhere and half-fisted. And at that point of the game, like, a... a, a my motivation to like to like keep on going through the main plot of that game just 
dived like severely like it was already going on like a slightly down downward trend and i was like i can still stick it out but then that point hit i was like i need to get this game done and that from that point on it just dragged like forever but i there was a point in which the second to last dungeon i thought that was the final dungeon because you're scaling like a huge tower i'm like okay this is definitely going to be it then there's another thing that happens after that and then it's like okay there's definitely the like the true last uh, portion of the game and that dungeon is longer than any like sort of like endeavors that you went on along the way and there was like at least you know like i mentioned in my review like five points in that final dungeon where it's like okay this is definitely the final part because they're pulling out all the stops to like all these like you know big like bosses are coming out and so after this area it's definitely the final boss right no, there's like three or four more areas filled oh. with more mundane shit Damn. before you get through it. There was a point in the final dungeon where you were literally like visiting these corridors and they were throwing out to you like uh, the beginning area monsters just to, like, you know, reflect on like, oh, uh, remember that time when we met and whatever. And it's like trying to like give you like this nostalgic feeling, but it's everything you're doing isn't really meaning anything you're just like going through these low-leveled enemies while your characters yap about about like yeah we had great like you know a lot of great adventures along the way and it feels so just flat just uh, so oh sometimes when a game has like not a great story as long as it's not like offensively bad like and it's just good enough like i can kind of deal with it if i enjoy the game um but it sounds like this kind of goes a little bit further into this kind of Almost like this, the type of type of story it was trying to tell, or whatever these these weird nostalgia things it was trying to throw at you were actually like getting in the way and actually disrupting uh, can, the flow of the game. Can you spoil like one minor thing about it? Because it's like it's it you can see it from like ten thousand miles away when you look at the box art of this game, and then when they see them and they tell the prophecy of this game. Sure. <laughs> okay, so basically, your uh, main protagonist, Lazaro and Teresa, like you know, they're cousins. You know that the, they reunite for the first time. Of course, in the prophecy of the game, um, it mentions like you know twins that'll like you know uh, save the world and whatnot. So what's like one of the final twists of the game? Oh, Lazaro and Teresa were actually separated from birth. These twin, uh, twin uh, cousins are actually twins. You know, but it never goes to that backstory. Like. How exactly were they separated? How did they like end up together once again? There's like no real like cohesion or like solid like backstory behind like how they reunited. Like you know how did they how were they established as cousins? How did they even have a relation in the first place when they were even supposed to meet up again? It was it was and then they're trying to like make the biggest deal. Like everyone's like, whoa! I never thought you guys would be like twins. I'm like, you gotta fucking get me. Please end the game right now. <laughs> uh, just um. You, we were talking about this earlier um, and mentioned the Star Ocean news later because you talked about Star Ocean 4 and how that game is um, better if you skip the story scenes. I'm going to have to reflect your thoughts on Hero on Dragon Quest Heroes 2, which has really excellent excellent gameplay uh, and really stretches that graphical engine out to the point where like, your PS4 is kind of chugging but never like stuttering and really, you know, it, it's, it's not afraid to like, throw dozens and dozens of, of enemies at you. But I think the gameplay is really good. Just try to block out the story as much as possible. It's not even worth your time. It just everything's super forgettable. The characters, the original characters in it are bland. It's just it's not good. And, and while the first one's story was not amazing by any sort of measure, it was you know it was passable, serviceable. It, it, it kept it kept me going. I was like you know I'm interested to see it through the, the like this tale as well. Not going to be you know 
it's not going to be shocking in any way, uh, shape, or form. It's, you know, I'm, I like these characters a lot. And meanwhile, you know, on this one, it's just like, you, it's got to stop. Yeah, when it comes stop. to, like, these sorts of crossover games, I think, like, the thing that I, I like, and I think most people are kind of looking forward to is kind of interactions between characters, mm-hmm. perhaps from different games or different, depending on what the crossover is, different, you know, franchises and just kind of seeing that interaction and having some sort of base story to kind of tie things together. It doesn't have to be, you know, super like fantastically written. Um, as long as it's just like not total nonsense, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and maybe not super serious. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I, I, obviously I haven't played this game, but just kind of, you know, if a crossover type game takes its story elements and like original characters incredibly seriously and it just doesn't do a good job at it, I can definitely see how that would like. Yeah, really it, it takes itself way too it. seriously in this game. And it's also, you you, may, you mentioned uh, like, you know, a good point about this crossover type game. Like even that aspect, the crossover part of it uh, is not that great either. Like a lot of the the ways that you're, crossover characters interact is mainly through uh lazaro and Teresa or with the other character that they were paired with like carver for example he doesn't really interact much outside of like lazaro Teresa, and terry who was he like he was introduced with like uh, outside of like you know the character they debuted with and the main characters they don't really have much of uh get much interactions or events with the other characters from the other like games and that's a big bummer like why would you you know, design a crossover game without kind of capitalizing the potential of cross banter and really fun, goofy events uh, between these characters. It kind of it just baffles me a little bit because you, it's cool to have these characters in the same party working together, and you know you can kind of combine their skills in an interesting way. But if you don't have like the characterization of them uh, kind of flow into each other as well, it's I don't know. It just feels flat it just feels not good it, it feels lifeless and just they they might as well be cardboard cutouts at that point of like you know they're they're functional things that you can use in combat but the their care their chemistry with one another is like not utilized well at all hmm. if anything at all so yeah i mean i finished up dragon Quest heroes too i still really enjoyed playing it i just there's a lot of issues that i had with the narrative that just bogged it down unfortunately well you know it happens if they have if they make a dragon quest heroes 3 i hope they finally you know get the the strong elements of the first game and the second game in one game instead of switching them off or maybe they'll go the opposite way and none of those things will be good it'll be dragon quest heroes 1 gameplay and dragon quest heroes 2 story stuff oh shit man (laughs) i'm gonna cry Um, other than that, I I bought uh, Boez on the Switch, and I think that's a real hidden gem. It's uh, it's like a, a a basic rhythm game that's uh, available on um, mobile platforms as well. But uh, the Switch version is nice because in the mobile version of that game, you have to se- buy like separate song DLC for it in packs, and I hear the cost of that really adds up. While the Boez uh, Switch version is just a base price of twenty five dollars. No additional song DLC at the Switch eShop. Uh, everything's just uh, unlocked from the get-go after your first tutorial song. And there's a lot of content. There's it, like It looks like from the menu, like there's like over 300 songs or something involved with multiple uh, difficulties. And just it's it's the only Switch game where it can only work in handheld mode. So you, 
when you dock the switch, it doesn't work. But it's totally understandable because it's all it's all touch based and yeah. It, well, let, let's step back just a second. I uh-huh. think I got it, but I'm I'm not familiar with this game. Oh, yeah. But what, from what you said, it's, it looks like like a touch screen rhythm game. Yeah, it's a touch screen rhythm game. So okay. like you have the like these diamonds falling down, and then you have to time it with uh, the little slot at the bottom. So when it hits that slot, you tap it, and then there's uh you know different kinds of sometimes you hold it, sometimes you have to slide it across the screen, kind of like it's just like a, a guitar riff. Like there, there'll be notes that kind of have you uh, sliding like yeah. you know pretend guitar riff uh, and whatnot. So I think that's one of the hidden gem on that uh, system. Uh, th- definitely one of those uh, experiences on the Switch that I really I'm starting to enjoy. Like I know I'll get my like my money's worth and hours worth out of it just uh, throughout it. It's not one of those games where I'm pushed to like you know I have to go through every song it's like at my own leisure. So I think that's a, a really cool. Uh, game out for that that no one really knows of, and I, th- I think uh, if you if you like rhythm games and have a Switch, I I highly recommend you check that out, especially for that price. You get all those songs, um, and other than that, I'm starting to dabble with the Legend of Heroes: Trails in the Sky the Third. Um, Brian has a review up on the site. You watched your brother uh, play it, Adam. Yeah, uh, I, I I've been playing it myself too, kind of off and on. Uh, I'm playing on nightmare mode. Oh shit! Why not? Yeah, you're you're crazy. I'm only on. I'm hard mode right now. Um, and that's even challenging. Nightmare mode was. How's that going? How far are you? How's nightmare mode treating you? I'm in a uh, chapter two, so not very far. Yeah, and I just got done to chapter one right now. So that that first boss, or that first major boss, which has three forms, like uh-huh. ever. <laughs> How oh, yeah. what, what was like the HP totals like? Uh, I think on the hard mode it's like seventeen or eighteen k maybe. Like in the I final, I don't. Thinking. I don't remember what they they were. It was the type of thing it where ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it hurts. Um, that that's a really really bizarre game. Like uh, I've haven't the first time I I played the Japanese version many years ago, but I didn't understand like you know many of the story elements because it dives deep deep into that uh, you know trails lore, but. The way this one presents itself, it's you need to know like how to play these games already to dive into this one. Not only because of a narrative reason, but because you get thrust into battle so fast. And if you don't know what you're doing, you will die fast. Even <laughs> even if your character st- your your character started at a base level of ninety already nine zero. Yeah, and that's there's high numbers from the get go, higher than anything you've seen in the series so far. So um, the way I like like from. The way I I would probably describe this game compared to like the first two chapters is that it's more gamey. Mm-hmm. Like the structure of the game, like doesn't really make sense, and it's not very interesting from a story's perspective. It's it's like literally we're in like this dungeon that appeared out of nowhere, and we're gonna climb to the top in kind of the slow manner, and then uh, just kind of see these little anthology stories on the way type of thing. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't have like the normal flow that like the first two games did, and I can see why that might put some people off. Um, but the way that it like for example in the first Trails in the Sky game and well let's, this is the first Trails in the Sky game I don't think you really get to choose your party until the very end. Yes, um, yeah, that's like correct. The final dungeon, you that's when you finally get a choice of who you want to put into your party, which we all know we're going to put in uh, Chloe and Oliver, right? 
Uh, I I was like, Chloe for sure. <laughs> Chloe for sure. I've tried to remember who was my... I, I, put, I, I know when I played it, I put in Oliver for uh, basically the, my magic caster dude. I think it was either uh, <laughs> Olivier or Zinn. Or it's, it's Zinn now, right? They, they changed the name. I don't know if they actually changed it in the original games. But yeah, he, he Zinn is one of those characters, like, at first you don't know how useful he is. But he has some really neat, like, skills that can heal. and. I remember he has, like, this, uh, this Thunder God kick. I think that's yeah. AoE, and that's, like... Yeah busted <laughs> but anyways and then like the second trails game i think there's a couple of choices you can make throughout the game like for example you choose between agate and uh Sherazard. um but you still don't get like much too much character choice throughout the game whereas trails and sky the third pretty quickly is like all right who do you want in your party you have all these characters to choose from and there's a lot more focus on like your party coordination and your your ornaments and things like that so it that that kind of goes just a little bit further and what i was saying about the game being a little bit more video gamey um mm -hmm. is that it puts a little bit more of a focus on the actual mechanics of the battle system and the progression and the characters that you have in battle and things like that and i think the story stuff especially the like the how it looks past this kingdom of liberal um is really neat but it's definitely a different feeling of a different sort of game than first and second chapter and that's why this one is not called third chapter i'm it would, that would yeah the, the, yeah the, the third uh, was, was originally not going to be made uh, after the second chapter falcom already started you know work on the crossbell arc of zero and soon then you know Owl after that but they realized when they were uh developing zero they're like oh shit we need to fill in a lot of gaps here so that's actually when they went back and started and made the third like in the mid development cycle of zero it's now, it's funny. <laughs> the, the, the type of stuff that's kind of interesting to me, um, minor spoiler for the end of second chapter, very minor, but if you very minor. if you skip ahead, if you really don't want to hear it, like a minute. Um, so I brought Kevin into my final battle party in second chapter. Yeah. Um, because first of all, his S craft is like super useful and mm -hmm. basically nullifies attacks sometimes too. Um, and he's a good magic caster. And then he actually has a discussion with Lo about rufina mm -hmm. so like it's just kind of interesting how like they mention rufina nobody knows who this character is at this point um but except lo and kevin and they kind of they basically just talk about her very briefly and then of course she becomes a pretty crucial character in third chapter and i, I always thought that kind of stuff is interesting because like how much did they have this planned out um was it more just kind of setting a you know setting a like a crumb and then they're going to build on it later type of thing. So it's just kind of interesting to me, like how much, how, how many of these characters have, do they have kind of planned ahead type of thing? Yeah, it's, it's crazy because I, I know from uh, definitely from more devoted Falcom fans who keep a, you know, an eye on the series very closely. Uh, Falcom has gone on record and mentioned that the Crow's story in the Cold Steel games, they actually started like, you know, writing and planning that as as early as second chapter's development. So they really thought, far ahead on like for that character and just finding the right time to you know try to try to introduce that story that they were already you know working on so many years before just that's like man at least five years in advance it's it, it's insane I, I really wonder like what's this the general process that the falcom narrative team have for this uh, just what do those 
plans on the board even look like? Does it, it, it must be like an incomprehensible mess that they have to kind of like link back together. I, I just feel like that they, they have a dedicated like historian on staff for the series because trying to remember everything, like every single like little plot thread on it must be exhausting. And typically mm-hmm. outside of the writers, a lot of the people like on a QA team, they would have people that are very um, attentive towards the lore so that that stuff is accurate, especially during a localization team. And so you can mm-hmm. imagine even Exceed has got a, a hell of a lot of work. Uh, and Axis, of course, that's one of the big problems that they've got is that they have to localize the game, but also during the localization, make sure that that's still accurate to the original material. So it's way harder if you've got such an established uh, franchise like it is. So Trails in the Sky the Third, I don't... Uh, I mean, I, I empathize with Exceed's team for how much work they have to do with that and how passionate they are about it because a lot of it is that. They've had to really bury themselves in all that lore that Falcons come up with in order to make sure that they still tell a coherent story in the middle of that. So, cause you've seen so many bad ones too. And the thing is, is like, um, I may not have all these names like memorized, but like, for example, now I haven't played the cold steel games. I'll get to it when the PC versions released. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, in, even in like first chapter and second chapter, I think Olivier and, Mueller talk about like Erebonia's like certain groups like the intelligence divisions and things like that and you know when you're first localizing first chapter or whatever you have no idea like they they just kind of mention this intelligence division offhand or whatever and at that point you have no idea how important this is or like who these people are and then it might get like this group that they mentioned is kind of offhand in the first game or the second game might become like a really key focus point later and i know one of the things that some of the xc localizers have talked about is making sure that like when they when they make these sort of offhand like name drops that they try to keep it consistent they don't want to call it like the intelligence core in one place and then the intelligence division in another place type of thing if it's the same group um so those are the type of things that these kind of these these far ahead name drops or i know one thing that they're also kind of trying to make sure they're consistent at are like ranks and positions in the different armies and groups and trying to make sure those are consistent as well. So like those types of things um, are, require a lot of kind of uh, attention and focus and memory to re- just remember them all. So yeah, it's, I can't even imagine how that process looks like. That's best of luck to both Falcom and Xseed and pray that Falcom like never has to like somehow bring the revelation that they're mixing Tokyo Zanadu and the Kiseki verse together because that'll be a nightmare in itself if that if, if, that, if that situation somehow ever comes to pass very unlikely but if wouldn't that wouldn't that put the Trails universe in like modern world because Tokyo Zanadu is just in modern Tokyo right hey man you never know yeah. Trails in the Sky the Thirds like has you fucking who knows? Hey, if lightning returns, could somehow take their world and transform it to the real world. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but, but yeah, uh... I think I think that's kind of one reason why I highly doubt. Like, obviously, Falcom has been. We talked about this several times, but has been kind of not working with other niche localizers to work on their games. But I have a feeling the Trail series is probably not leaving XC just because. You know th- that requires kind of this familiarity with it that right now obviously only Exceed has. So you know what'd be fucked up though? Cold Steel Three comes out and then there'll be like tons of references to that free-to-play browser game Akatsuki no Kiseki, and no one will fucking get it. 
And they're like, well, Fable's already out there. <laughs> your, your fault for not playing <laughs> I I, I kind of joke about this, just like with, with several friends, like if they go into Cold Steel 3 and they'll have characters from that game and no one, like only a very small percentage of that population will, will get it. They're like, this kind of this? this kind of very, this is a silly comparison, but this kind of reminds me of the Kingdom Hearts stuff where apparently those mobile games are important. Oh, yeah, they're guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking right. Oh, shit. Yeah. They, they, oh. Did a, they did a video in one of the remasters and, like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, like, uh, so is, is that just, like, two different camps, like the Kiseki people and Kingdom Hearts people, but they're, like, they're, they're opposite sides of the same coin? Though? Well, they're, they're, as silly as it sounds, these are, like, two franchises that try to have consistency from its original game to the most current game. But one has been obviously a lot more successful with it. So Yeah, well, yeah, one, one I can I can, you know, kinda like follow and it, it makes sense to me. The other is just not just the story nonsense, just the way that Kingdom Hearts is like you know, Kingdom Hearts two came out more than ten years ago or whatever. And they've done these spin offs and other things and who knows it's like just just from the commercial business side hasn't been like produced as smoothly and as consistently but anyways that was just a comparison i wanted to make just that, that's good game, that's good Adam. this I kind mean, of side this side mobile game is important and makes and me and it might makes be me really think. important i guess <laughs> i i really laugh if i see any of those characters in cold steel 3 it's like oh you guys did it you you guys are kind of assholes <laughs> uh but yeah those that's what i've been kind of up to Awesome. Is there anything else on your horizon that you're looking forward to? You did mention you wanted to get done with Trials and Sky the Third before E3, right? Yep. That's, yeah, three weeks. Get to I it. Do. I do. I have other things on my plate to, to push out on the site, but you know, I think I'll get it done. I, I gave myself enough time, hopefully. Luckily, Trails in the Sky the Third isn't as long as Second Yeah, Chapter. it's only eighty hours, not one hundred and twenty. <laughs> that's for Sono. Oh, okay. six. So I gotta be careful about that. So Adam. <laughs> You've been mostly playing a single game, I heard, uh, mostly because you've been uh, busy packing to get out of here. Uh, and you reviewed this for us, Fire Emblem Echoes, uh, Shadows of Valencia. How's that been treating you? I mean, I, obviously you seem to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, I think I've said this before, but Fire Emblem is my favorite franchise. Like, if I had to pick one, that's what I would pick. Sure. And um, I've already talked about Fire Emblem Echoes a lot in the last podcast, so I'll try not to repeat myself too much. But... <laughs> This game is, first of all, it kind of throws back to, well, I mean, not kind of, it actually literally throws back to, Absolutely does. <laughs> to earlier Fire Emblem games. This is a remake of the second game. And, but it's not, it's, uh, what I, what, 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 sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over myself here. What I'm trying to get at is, it's not just like, is this an older style Fire Emblem game or is this an awakening style Fire Emblem game? You're excited that old Fire Emblem is back. It, it's kind of like its own thing, though. It's so different from every other game that it's kind of it's hard to compare because it does so many things so differently um than the other games so it's um, more than just a modernization of the old gaiden it, it you'd say it's like it's kind of its own different it's like it's almost like a feels like a spin-off in a weird way huh. um maybe that's why they called it echoes i don't know uh yeah but it's, it's like a like a, a touching up of it like hey we have new like, these existing assets and we'll just slap it onto gaiden that's what, that's what i initially thought but it seems to be way more than that so like uh how this game works is that you get a world map like in sacred stones or something like that or an awakening um and 
instead of having it like separated into chapters, like where every chapter is a battle, it's separated into acts, and you basically kind of progress towards like your objective, like the first objective your object you're you're heading towards in the game is Sophia Castle. But there's a lot of you know skirmishes and battles that you have to do before you get there. And there's story beats along the way. You recruit characters along the way and things like that. And then there's also these um, dungeons you can go into. Now dungeons are the most clear and obvious this is different type of thing mm-hmm. where you actually control like a, a 3D model of the character in a 3D environment and you actually control them in real time. So that's like totally unlike any other Fire Emblem except Gaiden, um, which I've never actually played the original. Um, and these dungeons, they're not like incredibly ornate or anything like that. They're, 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 they're pretty standard fare in terms of, you know, you go, you go find the dead ends first and at the dead ends, you usually find chests with weapons or whatever, or sometimes you can find some wells that actually increase stats a few times. So you can, is there a map like accompanying that, like you're filling out as you're going through that? There's a little mini map that you get in the dungeons. However, unless I'm just an idiot, you can't actually pull up like a, a full size map. It's just basically, here's the map of your most immediate surroundings. Um, so sometimes in some of the later dungeons, you can get a little bit lost. Um, like where the heck am I again? But of course, you can always find these maps online too now. But mm-hmm. so the actual gameplay of Echoes is a little bit more streamlined than more recent games. Very likely because it's based on an old game where there was less classes to choose from. There's no like multi-classing or things like that. Um, and not only that, but there's no weapon triangle, and there's no thieves. There's no money. Um, there's some coins you can get that you basically use in forging, but um, it's a, it's actually a little bit streamlined in that regard, and so when you're in battle, it's it's still very it's still much very much a strategy game at heart. Like you have to kind of understand. Oh, if the, if the enemy group is a bunch of mage units, I understand that mage units can attack from a distance. Terrain in this game won't affect anything, and you bet you you better get your low resistance units out of the way, or else you're going to get creamed. Type of thing. So. I played on hard mode. Um, I usually play these games on hard mode, but one thing about Echoes that no other Fire Emblem game has, and I don't think this was in Gaiden either, was, is Mila's turn wheel, which this is most similar to actually the uh, the World Tarot system from Tactics Ogre, Let Us Cling Together. Oh, okay, yeah. You literally can take back turns and rewind time in battle. Uh, and this is the type of thing where no doubt it's incredibly useful. So, for example, if you see an enemy that's kind of a dangerous enemy and you have a, a 50% chance of hitting him and killing him, but if you miss, you lose your character type of thing. In any other Fire, Fire Emblem game, you might think twice about trying that because that's a 50% chance you're going to have to restart the level or whatever um, if you don't want anyone to die. In this game, if you have Mila's turn wheel, you can basically say, like, you know what, I'm going to take this chance. And if it turns out in my favor, good. You know, that's going to really turn the tide of battle. If it doesn't, oh, well, I'll just rewind and try something else. So it's definitely very convenient. And it's, you know, it helps playing on classic mode, especially so you don't have to restart if a character dies because you lose them forever. Uh, it's nice that you can just rewind a couple of turns and it saves yourself a lot of time. But I almost felt like it was too convenient, especially near the end, when you can ultimately do this a total of 12 times, which is a lot. <laughs> that, is a, that is a lot of turns to get back. Um, the only thing is, is when you're in a dungeon, the 12 times are shared basically throughout your exploration. 
Um, so not just per skirmish, but throughout the whole dungeon. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit stretched out there, but how, still. How big are the ju- dungeons like usually? Um, not they're they're pre- most of them are pretty small. The only good sized dungeons are really like each each main character, Almond Celica, have a final dungeon that they go into, and those are fairly long. Um, and then there's like a post game dungeon that's the longest one, of course. Um, but most of the, most, but they're mostly pretty uh, workable. They're they're not too big of a deal to get through. Okay. Um, so this game, I guess one thing I haven't talked about much is its story. Now I think the the tone, the the localization, and the voice acting, and kind of the presentation of the story is really well done. It's probably the best in any fireman game, to be honest. Wow. Um, it only it only compares to um like path of radiance um but like for example path of radiance um it's it's cutscenes. uh for example that was some of the very first voice acted in english final Emblem stuff and it wasn't great really um so i think the voice acting in here is a lot better i think the localization is better but the story itself probably because it's confining itself to a much simpler story from 25 years ago is pretty predictable um here's a minor spoiler uh, and it's kind of silly. You you meet a you you meet like a you you uh, you encounter like a royal treasury, and there's like here's a royal sword that only members of the royal bloodline can carry. <laughs> and then Alm is like, hey, look, I can pick up this sword. I wonder why. Hmm. Um, that's not really a spoiler. The game basically hits you over the head that Alm is more than what he appears. <laughs> um, so it's and it's it's like and some of the other characters are like oh you don't really believe those legends do you those myths that only the royal only those with royal blood can carry the sword yeah that's yeah right so it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like it's it kind of uh, what's the word it almost foreshadows itself too bluntly um, but so some of the stuff is pretty predictable like how Almantelica like who they actually are would you say the story is better than Fates? Yes, <laughs> Fates is probably the worst anyway. Theory. Yeah, so, um, but like I still, I, I, I was still, despite being a bit predictable, I was still engaged in the story, and I was, you know, I, 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 I appreciated it, and I, and I did enjoy it. It's just, it is just not very interesting in a sense because it's so predictable. But I, I didn't really, I can't, because the game is such a remake of such of an old, uh, an older game. I can't really knock it too much. I think on that, but. I think they did a really good job fleshing it out. And even like a lot of the side characters, one thing I, I like about this game, um, well, let me step back a bit. In, in a lot of Fire Emblem games, it feels like the only characters that are important are like the Lords and maybe like a few others. And that's it. Um, the Game Boy Advance games were kind of the worst at this. Like, for example, yes, Blazing for sure. Sword, like the only characters that matter are Lynn, Elliot, and Hector and like Ninian and everyone else. You kind of get them in your team and then they kind of don't do anything. Yeah, at that's all. four out of like, what, maybe 20 characters in that game? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, aside, I remember uh, in Blazing Sword, there's this one chapter where Legault, one of the thieves, um, shows up and says like one line. And then it goes away again. And like I remember playing this as like in in my early high school or whatever. Like someone else said something. <laughs> it wasn't just one of the lords. Anyway. Oh um, god damn it. It was. It's one of those like this, this sort of, this sort of thing doesn't bother me too much because especially because they have those games do have supports. And Fire Emblem Seven probably has some of the best supports in the series in terms of fleshing out the lore and the characters and their histories. Um, and in fact, I would say that game probably has the best supports in the series in that regard. But. One thing I liked about Echoes is that there are a lot of characters that participate in the story pretty significantly. 
I love um, when story like RPG stories do that. They they don't forget that their side characters are there. Like obviously this doesn't compare, but that's one nice thing about the Trails series is that you have important characters everywhere, and they it's, and they carry on from game to game too, so you can kind of follow their story over an arc. That's mm-hmm. cool. And like the Trails series is not obviously it's not just what Estelle's viewpoint on the world is anymore. That's just the first couple of the games. Uh, and even in Trails Third, while Estelle is obviously an important character, she's not the main character. Um, and that's kind of neat when they can do that. But mm-hmm. in Fire Emblem Echoes, like, you, Alm joins a group called the Deliverance, and the Deliverance leader and kind of like their first lieutenant are really important story characters, and they participate a lot. And then one of the main villain characters is basically a defector, from the from the deliverance and he and he's like an important villain character that has really nothing to do with Alm, but it's kind of like these other side characters that they're um there's like there's a couple of clashes between clive who's the leader of the deliverance and fernand who's kind of this defector and it's kind of like this little side story that happens at the same time and there's things like that that i that i appreciate and the tellius games path of radiance radiant dawn did this fairly well too um so there's those types of things where they flesh out the story in Echoes. I think they did a pretty good job at. Um, now the supports in this game are pretty bare bones. Um, not as much as uh, like Radiant Dawn, where they literally just say, "Let's let's work together." All right, let's go. Um, that's Radiant Dawn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in Echoes, it's more just like banter between units, um, and sometimes there's a little there's some relationship building between prepared units and things like that. But mostly it's just kind of like normal character banter, not really like world building or character histories or things like that. It's very straightforward, a linear yeah. uh, style story. But you can, story also, you can also talk to characters basically in town. You don't have to. And sometimes they'll, they, they will kind of divulge a little bit of their past, and sometimes they will give like their thoughts on the current situation. So that's kind of nice um, that you can talk to characters to do that. Kind of like, kind of reminds me of like the base conversations that some of the other like, more recent Fire Emblem games have, like the Tellius games. And then there's also not a, not a huge component of the game, but there's also these memory prisms that you can find that show like an actual cutscene um, of character of the character's past. Like for example, there's this one um, cleric who gets captured, um, and when you meet her and you save her, you don't really know why she was captured to begin with. But then there's like one of the memory prisms kind of ex- you know expands on that a little bit. And shows kind of like where they were before you met them, type of thing. Um, so I, I, I have basically my my overall thought is the supports that are there, the characters that participate in the story, and these like memory prisms, they do a pretty good job at composing this cast of characters. Especially from what I understand, basically we're just units on the battlefield. So yeah, they were no second. one. They they were just they were they were sprites on a field and and had a name just by coincidence. <laughs> that that was so, it in Yaiden. <laughs> Yeah, I think it does a pretty good job at that. And my main criticism of the game, and this is perhaps just due to this age, is that there are these there's these enemies you can meet that are called cantors that can that can summon units. So every oh, shit. Yeah, every couple I, I of turns, remember this. Every couple of turns they summon like it's I think it's random, like three to seven seven or six maybe. Three to six just kind of not like tough enemies, but three to six enemies you kinda of have to deal Water. with. Yeah. I mean, they're, they can be dangerous. Like, if your cleric is in the way, uh, they might they, they could get them. Um, it's, it's not telegraph, right? It's just at, at random spaces or by them? It's, it's well, they summon units right next to them, so you know where they're going to be, but the amount they summon is is 
does feel random to me. And they do it every third turn, I believe. There might be some variance, but it's roughly every third turn. Um, and there are a couple... At first, I thought this was actually kind of neat, because this, this isn't something you see a whole lot in the other Fire Emblem games. I think Sacred Stones had a little bit. Um, where, like, oh, so now there's kind of this steady form of enemies I kind of have to deal with as I progress my way through the map into the map bus. So that's, that's interesting. It's a little different, right? Um, but then you kind of run into this sort of pattern especially late in the game, like every battle, it feels like culminating in the very last battle in the game when there's actually like three different enemies that do this. And it's just kind of like, man, this is a little bit of a slog. They kind of have to... They're all, they're all placed out of the way too. Yeah, you can't easily get to them, or especially like in the last battle where it's like oh. they're, these summoning enemies are in range of the final boss. Like if you go up to kill, <laughs> if you go up to kill the summoning enemy, like, yes, get, stop summoning these creatures... They're, you know, they're, they're just whispering under their breath, good luck. I'm like behind five waves of enemies plus the final boss. If, no, if you attack me, the final boss could get you now. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it's tough. Some of those battles, especially the final battle, can be pretty tough. But it, I just, I just kind of felt like the game relied on that a little bit too much. Um, one thing, what, what kind of actually became my go-to strategy for this, and this is only possible because I made Faye a cleric, um, Faye is one of the units you get early on that you change into a few different units. Like she can become a Pegasus Knight or a Cleric or a Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Is what I would do is I would take one of my clerics, Silk, and I would warp my one of my strong units basically right next to this summoning unit. In they're in danger. They're basically surrounded by enemies. But that strong unit would basically just take out the the summoning unit. Luckily, they're usually not. They're kind of fragile you know, just for normal balance, you can't make these guys super tough on their own if they're going to summon yeah. things all the time. And then once they finish off the enemies, I have my other cleric rescue them back. So like... <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can see this. Just yes. kind of warping them into Very danger, good. getting rid of the guy, and then warping That's them back. That's outside the box right there. Yeah, cool. and so that kind of became one of my go-to strategies for those summoning dudes is just kind of warp them behind all the waves of enemies and get get rid of those, those sources of annoyances. Um, but otherwise... I think one reason why I really appreciated this game was it was like just the flow of it, the way if I had to say what makes this game different than the, than the other games, just in a very, in a, in a very quick way is that there's a lot less battles or there's a lot more battles, but they're a lot shorter. It's it's like, so the pace is, is pretty different that there's a, you're, you're in battle a lot more often, but there's not as many huge maps as there are in, in other Fire Emblem games. You feel like you're getting more done. Maybe it's just it's just that the flow and the pace are are different. They kind of have this unique feel to them, in that you are you are more frequently in battle, but the battles aren't as long. There okay. are obviously some of the more major points in the game are normal size Fire Emblem battles, but otherwise there's a lot more smaller ones in the game. Well, I was talking with a friend on this, and I never actually played these games, but they compared it to Grow Lancer One and Grow Lancer Four. Um, I guess are similar They're types very of good. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's similar types of SRPGs, I guess, where there's a more frequent, smaller scale skirmishes type things. Yeah. So it's it's got just a little bit of a different feel to it. Um, They're fun. They're very fun games. So, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's just, I think I own like all the PSN ones. I just need to get around to them. Which oh yeah, you you should really give them a try sometime. I think they're right up your alley. They're pretty cool, and they're very they actually get mature storylines too, and the, yeah. the art is great too. And I love SRPGs, so yeah, you know, yeah, it's, right. Something I think you would enjoy a lot. 
After you but, get to Etrian Odyssey, by the way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I really enjoyed it, but it's definitely the type of game you kind of have to approach it with an open mind in terms of like, like uh, my brother is actually kind of joking, like, wait, you can explore dungeons in this game? Gross. Like, <laughs> that, that, was, that, that, was in the tra- that was in the trailer, gross. right? Like the debut trailer yeah. for that? Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you, you should have known. Brad should have known. Adam, do you think there's a good blueprint for the next Fire Emblem, uh, like the next mainline Fire Emblem no. coming to Switch? I don't think so. I don't actually think so. And I don't think this is like a good Fire Emblem to be like your first one either because it is so, it does have a different feel to it. Um, it Like I said, it kind of feels like a spinoff. It's kind of its own little thing. Um, now, like for Fire Emblem for Switch, I assume that's going to be a full budget mainline yeah, type thing. Probably. Um, and it's the type of thing where like I, I hope the story and character elements are stronger than something like Fates. Because uh, that was just really disappointing um, on that front. But, you know, I imagine that they're going to have, like, the marriage system in it because that's a very popular system that a lot of people like. Um, I just kind of hope that it's, you know, I, I guess I hope it's a well-rounded game where you can't just, like, for Fates, I, like, I really like Fire Emblem Fates Conquest. I think that has some of the strongest maps in the game. It's really, really fun. But you kind of have to ignore the story and the characters because they're not, they're worthless. So I kind of hope that Fire Emblem uh, for Switch, you know, it has maybe like the type of localization and tone that Echoes has. Um, but I don't think it should like use the dungeon system really. It's, I, I mean, it can try, but it just, I don't know. I kind of feel it, like it, 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 it just feels well like done. yeah, like we've think... already had this right the right here and then. There shouldn't be something like something similar to it, like just immediately after. Yeah, like, I guess, how do I put it? Like, I don't think that, I like the dungeons in Fire Emblem Echoes, but, you know, I don't, like, love them. It's not like... I'm, it shouldn't like, be, like, a core thing of the series. Yeah, they, they work, they're functional, and they're they're interesting for here. I just don't know if it's something that the series needs every time type of thing. Uh, so... I, I keep thinking, like, I, what would be my ideal, like, next Fire Emblem thing? Because I do want, you know, obviously a better story and narrative and characters from what we've seen in Awakening and Fates. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I just... I need something new from them that isn't like the awakening and fate system as well i feel like those games are they they did yeah. cool things for the gameplay but i need something new from the series yeah, I, I know a lot of people stuff. like the marriage system i am iffy on it i like i don't really like i don't really get an enjoyment out of like pairing up characters i know some people that's like that is the game to them that's like, for I love chronicles <laughs> a little bit so what <laughs> well, get, yeah you pair characters oh, you, up. you get like this you get like <laughs> the Kira chronicles has good characters and a story it so means that, something that because they have like they actually do have some of a relationship and you know they they kind of call off for each other's names but anyway i just wanted to say that but <laughs> i like like i think if they were to do like the marriage system with children again like yeah i don't want it i, I think i think they have to mix it up a little bit they do like i i don't mind that fates did it again you know obviously the same same engine, you know, it was only in one other game, you know, exactly like that. So I, I don't mind that they kind of followed up, followed up Awakening with a fate system that's very similar. But I kind of feel like for Switch, they have to, like, I don't I don't mind if they have, I, I expect there to be pretty high level supports and support conversations in that game. But I, I, I feel like they should try something a little bit different. I don't know what. I'm not offering a suggestion. Okay, well, okay, what so if, sorry, the, you go ahead. All go, of my suggestions okay, after this. <laughs> okay, the next Fire Emblem is medieval thieves that all have guns, and you can go to, you know, just fantastical towns with them, take them out on dates throughout, you know, castle fortresses. 
How about that? Are you referencing another game here? I can't tell. I mean, uh, the, the, the Phantom Thieves. Oh, I didn't see you say Phantom Thieves. Oh. I said Thieves, Medieval Thieves, well, I said. What oh. about, what if it was like, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Edgar Spore did something like this, where it's like, if you had those dating sim, the, those so dating elements that you can pair each other up, but it went through generations of characters, like you have kit offspring and they and they fight with you in battle. And so, what if they did something more like that? Like it actually was a more serious thing, not like a uh, playful, well, like moe kind of stuff. It's like a serious. Well, like for example, whole, uh, gen- uh, genealogy of the Holy War has a merit system. Yeah, yeah, that's and the thing I was thinking of. I, some people like. I, I see the argument thrown around. I'm like, well, genealogy, the Holy War is a marriage system, and people love that game, it's so every game should have it. Is, uh, but yeah. It's so, yeah, and it's the way that the story and the scope of that game. Like I, I mentioned this when I played this game earlier this year. Genealogy like when you go when you go from one chapter <laughs> to the next, when you go from one chapter to the next in genealogy of, Holy, of, of the Holy War, like literally months have passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they 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 kind of imagine like during one chapter in that game, like. This is supposed. This is supposedly a several, you know, a several week conflict that's going on. Um, so like, it, like the whole scope of that game is like step back a bit, and like this is kind of like the big scale war that this continent is having, type of thing. And then this kind of having this genealogy element thrown into that kind of makes sense. Like this is a war that's lasted so long that it's encompassing more than one generation, and they yes. kind of fill that into the gameplay. And Awakening did something, in, in kind of tangentially similar, where they had like this this time um like uh time travel type element in this game to try to like prevent like save the future type of thing and that's kind of how they justified having that those children characters in that game like that's how it was you know that's how it like made sense in the narrative and then fates is kind of looks like <laughs> i don't know man <laughs> yeah. fates is like um, shrug <laughs> i, I kind of feel like i kind of feel like if they want to do children you can't really do the time travel thing again. They've they've already they've already done that, like not too long ago in Awakening. But if they just kind of just throw it in again without any explanation at all, like yeah. fates, like I feel like they shouldn't do that either. Um, I, I don't like marriage as like as like attack on system. Like it has to make sense. Just like weave it into the narrative. Yeah, so the most part. I, I wouldn't I mind if yeah. it, like a, I don't I don't I wouldn't mind if they did like a battle through generations again, like genealogy of holy war, yeah. especially because that game's not. A oh yeah, if you if you like modernize that idea, it has a lot of potential. Yeah, mm-hmm. like how freaking dark that game is. <laughs> like it's very serious uh, material. But also- I totally think that it's it. There's uh, it def- is a system that should be in the game. It just mm-hmm. needs to be done better for sure. Like as long as you don't take cues from Agarest, no one should be taking cues from Agarest. You'll be fine. Uh, I kind of like Agarest. Maybe I'm just oh. maybe I'm just <laughs> here. That's okay. Anyways, one last thing I wanted to say: We're, we've been talking about Fire Emblem stories now. Like when I think of like the Fire Emblem games and their narratives, most of them are not like honestly that fantastic. Really, they're very they're usually very basic. Like Fire Emblem, you know, Sealing Sword and Blazing Sword and Sacred Stones and all that, but I feel like they're they're usually simple enough, but engaging enough, and they 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 work, and like they keep my interest even if they are kind of basic. Like for example, I love Fire Emblem Blazing Sword, but the actual story of that game is pretty common. Like you know, evil empire being controlled by an evil you know person, basically controlling these dark magical forces type thing, and it's it's not especially unique. But I think it works. But I just kind of feel like even then, the more recent games have been less than that. <laughs> like, yeah. just just be passable, please. So <laughs> that's all I want, really, in Fire Emblem. Just be a passable 
story that's interesting enough. So, all right, Dragon Quest Heroes two and Fire Emblem. Step your yeah. step your game up on story, please. Yeah. Well, I thought the story was I, the I, least I, important I, thing for you, Adam. No, it's just <laughs> it has to be passable enough. Oh. so it doesn't like insult me like Fates did. Fates is just. Blah. That's cool. Uh, is there anything else that you're looking forward to playing though? After um. This? I'm moving next week, so yeah. that's taking a lot of my time. You said you have your life. laptop, though, so you're playing some more Thracia. Is that... Yeah, I, 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 start, I said a couple of weeks ago that I was playing Thracia 776, yeah. um, so I'm kind of continuing that. Mm-hmm. So cool. I'm almost at the chapter where fatigue is introduced, so that'll be fun. Oh, uh... man. Yeah, whenever we, we convene again, we we got to talk about fatigue. I'm feeling fatigue right now. That's cool. Uh <laughs> So for, you're out for the next chapter. Uh, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't be brought back into battle. I'm sorry. You guys are gonna have to do mm. something without me. I know you gave me all the cool equipment, but I can't come in. Um, yeah. So for me, it's been uh, most of the week was spent watching RPG Limit Break, which is the big marathon that obviously has a lot uh, in relevancy to our site. Uh, which is it's just like a, a week long. Uh, speed running marathon kind of like summer games done quick but the cool thing about it is there's it's a, a much smaller operation so it's kind of like you know the 2012 2013 era of the hdq stuff and so that was really fun the golden age yeah i mean they were playing a ton of games and they had a lot of races and you know the first game i saw was like terra enigma so i got really excited about that they had oh a yeah four... that's, my, that's my first stream the our stream game that i saw on yeah. that as well yeah and they had a four play four person uh final fantasy mystic quest race and that was it was better than you thought and it ended with uh the whole thing ended with like a nine plus hour final fantasy nine run amongst four players like they they, after at certain periods they handed the controller off and that was probably the most entertaining run which is kind of hard to believe but it was actually very fun to watch so uh that was it was it final fantasy nine like pc version where you can zoom (laughs) in like battle i fast forward i think it might have been the remaster because um the thing is they were using the controller of course but um the the first thing that happened was that they did that whole uh play and you know you had to like get the audience on your side and the queen on your side he got 100 <laughs> and that was like the first time he's actually got 100 like that because uh, he said himself like he's been playing on lcds uh for all his entire time that he's played that game uh, and been running it and then they had crts at the actual event itself and so he nailed it no problem <laughs> it was well like, i know funny. in the in the pc version i don't know if they made it easier or not but it might have been the original i'm pretty sure getting 100 one. like to get yeah. the moonstone ultimately for the for like pleasing the crowd and the queen is a lot easier I think it might have been the PlayStation 1 because they were playing on CRTs, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to do that yeah. if it's just the remastered. Okay. So I'm pretty confident. So if they did it, it on the PS1 version, that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, it, I, I think I did it once when I was young, younger, but it, take, it took like, I don't know, 50 tries. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to start over. It's like that in the jump rope segment. That's the stuff that I had to keep trying over and over again until I got it. But yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun to watch that. Uh, that's kind of what took up a lot of my time. Other than that, I was also covering Utwa Romano, Mask of Deception, which is out. Uh, How do you pronounce that? Utwa Romano. Okay. I'm not going to pronounce it the Japanese way because I can't pronounce my Aries, So, um, Yeah, that game is... I, I can't uh, give a okay, review. One but second. It's a Japanese what type well, of game is it? Me... Like, I've been posting news for it without really knowing what type of game it is. <laughs> I understand it's like an SRPG Strategy mixed with like RPG. a visual... No- 
like a strategy yeah, it, tactical like, game mixed yeah. with like a visual novel. So, but yeah. I know it's like seventy five percent visual novel, twenty five percent SRPG, or maybe more visual novel percentage. Yeah, more like the latter. Uh, so the thing is, is that yes, it's um. So this is a uh, a sequel to the original game that came out fifteen years ago. It actually had its fifteenth anniversary not long ago, like maybe a. A month ago, maybe that. A perfect time to localize it. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's a strategy RPG mixed with a visual novel. And so, yeah, it's, the thing is, is that, like, in the first five hours of the game, uh, you might only come across maybe one or two battles at all. So that gives you an idea of how uh, little the actual gameplay aspect of it is. Do you need to know the first game to play this game? No. Okay. Isn't this a remake of the first game? No. Or it's a sequel. It's a sequel. Uh, So... It's because the main character, uh, whose name is Haku, uh, is uh, supposed to kind of resemble the original character from the first game, and so that's. The, and if you don't, if anyone knows that that whole series, it's the guy with the mask. If and people might know what that is, so it, it is supposed to be a sequel, but they broke it up into two games. So you've got Mask of Deception, which is out now, and Mask of Truth, which uh, Atlas just announced. I forget if it's if they just September, said September. I want to say they had the um, they announced the special edition where we get the pillowcase. September five. Yeah, September fifth. Uh, America oh, yeah. gets the pillowcase. Europe doesn't. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, suck at Europe. <laughs> that was that wasn't in the news, but yes, they did announce the mask of truth. Uh, details about that. Anyway, so it's got some pretty cool elements in it that kind of caught me off guard. So um, besides having a visual novel that has an amazing localization, and to joke about how they put the best team for localization on this game and not Persona 5, um, but it was it's actually a really, really good uh, localization uh, from the amount I've played, which is most of it. I'm about done with that game. And so that's that's been kind of it. I can give my a little bit of thoughts about that. It's a It's preview embargo went up and not the review one we'll have a review up before release um but yeah it's it's actually kind of interesting the combat system so because i obviously can, i can talk way more about that than i can about the story itself because mm-hmm. the story is um so far like i said um from most of all i played it it's it's been um pretty fascinating stuff and it's engaging uh, all the characters are charming in one aspect or another what's what's the synopsis like can you say like the basic premise of the game yeah 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 so it's um it's a little bit about uh so the way the setup is is uh it's you uh you are in this place this world that's ruled by this empire the yamato empire and so what happens is that uh after sort of a weird hallucination of sorts your character, you're playing uh, Haku. Uh, he's like so called. His name is is given to him uh, as Haku. Uh, he, but wakes... he's not the protagonist of the first game. It's a different character. No, no. Uh, I mean, if I knew, then I'd be a spoiler. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna oh, say okay. that. But right. uh, it's it's that. So he. Uh, it, it's it's. Um, I would say no, though, just because the way the whole game starts, and this is like a, a very mild spoiler, it's because it's just right at the very beginning. So it's it's like you're, you would know about this just by when you hit start. Um, it looks like he's been transported to a different world because uh, he's uh, they they start by kind of uh, 
having like these weird shadowy figures basically call him names and things like that talking about how um, much of a neat he is they don't literally say that but you know he's like a hermit uh he doesn't really um take responsibility for himself that much and so uh, he has to rely a lot on others and he's never there for everybody else and so there's this one opportunity that he gets to finally show up and 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 uh for this person who has been giving him all the support this child uh that he loves dearly and then suddenly uh with no real explanation he gets uh transported to like this weird uh remote hut uh that's kind of uh on this um area on on a, a snowy mountain mountain and then he wakes up to this girl uh uh Kulon, who's uh, his kind of his new caretaker and sorts because uh, what happened is that she found him kind of laying face down uh in the snow and decided to carry him back to the hut and take care of him uh, and so the thing though is that Kuan, anyone who's seen the Utawa Romano uh, anime that came out, I think it's what's it called? It's like Face of um, Face of Oh the False Faces, I think is what it was called. It's on Crunchyroll, I think, uh, and you know you can kind of find it anywhere. Uh, she's the girl with like uh, furry ears and a tail, <laughs> and so uh, she's she's like the the main protagonist for that. Uh, but he has amnesia. Uh, your your character has amnesia, so you may be like you're not really a faceless protagonist because you're actually supposed to be like he, he speaks. Of course, everyone is a uh, everyone is vo- is voice acting in this game, and you get to see him sometimes as well. Uh, but there's a lot of like slapstick humor in it, uh, but also some pretty serious moments as well. So uh, the thing though, I wanted to talk more about. And, and and by the way, the whole story is about him basically trying to kind of like trying to adapt to this new world that he finds yeah, himself in, and basically figure imagine. out a way to kind of uh, you know get back to his own world because he really needs to get back to you know uh, to this girl that this child that uh, relied on him so heavily, uh, and thought that you know this is his last chance to sort of redeem himself in in, in the eyes of her as uh, the child, but also you know all of his family members and and. Uh, other people that sort of uh, kind of turned their backs on him because of how uh, irresponsible he is and how um, you know lazy and all that kind of stuff. So the and, and you know the story is great for so far. But anyway, okay. the com- I want to talk about the combat because I think okay. that's the most interesting thing. And Adam kind of stepped out, but I wanted to. I, I kind of wish he was here so I can tell about him. But I think the coolest thing about it. So it's a typical tactical RPG. I say tactical because there's tile heights, so it's not just a strange like strategy RPG where you're oh, running like a flat ground. Yeah, it's not just horizontal based. You have to worry about you know the terrain. You'd say. Yeah, exactly, and that does play a part. Uh, it's not so much one where it's like you know dependent on the side. If you hit them from the sides or the back, that doesn't really play a part. The height of the tile does, though. So uh, it's a little bit step, like one step behind, say, Final Fantasy Tactics in that respect. Okay. So, because, uh, like, yeah, higher ground means you have more of an advantage on someone who's on the lower ground. So the coolest thing about this is that it's got a rewind system, which is something I didn't really know uh, that I would want in a game like this. But you can definitely see the appeal because, say, for example, you accidentally move your characters to a certain spot and it gets a little too close to uh, the enemy soldiers and they come up and just started barraging you and killing off a couple of your characters you can actually decide to rewind time 
And this is not like a uh, story-related thing. It's just something that the game features. Okay. So you can go back to a previous turn. But you how, know, how many times? Is it just like a one-time thing in uh, battle? Or? 12 times. No, you can do it as much <laughs> as you want. You can do it as much as you want. Um, oh, really? You can only go back 50 turns, though. As much as 50 turns. Only 50 turns, out. Yeah. But I can imagine, you know, later the game. And actually, I've gotten to the point in the game. Like I said, I'm pretty late at this point. Um, but uh, it's definitely gone more than 50 turns at some point. How does it treat turns? It's not... It's not a round. Base. Yeah, it's not a round. It's a turn. So this okay. person turns. This person takes a turn. This per- like your your entire right. party. That so that's sense. like five people. Um, just just a mechanical thing. Do all your all the people in your party go at like all all in sequence? Then all all the enemy party goes in sequence. No, and then your party this, again. This is kind of okay. the fascinating thing about this. So what happens is that when the when the entire match starts. Uh, you get to, of course, decide the characters that you want to have in your party. And this is kind of a, a, a very helpful thing is that you can decide to equip them as well while you're there. So actually, and for the most part, that's actually your only real opportunity to do that outside of some of the other menus. So um, that's kind of where that's regulated. But you can go to the shop and you can equip characters there as well. But this, you can also do this in combat. But the thing is, is that based on their stats, on the lower left of the screen, it actually shows you the turn order. Uh, before the whole thing begins, you can decide, well, okay, I need him to be there uh, in order to take on this enemy. Uh, so that actually is quite helpful, especially if you're in a mission where you need to, say, um, uh, escort somebody or defend them if they're ambushed, like a story-related ambush. So that's pretty nice to have, especially if you need to have characters next to each other. And you can also, just like your typical strategy uh, or tactical RPG, you can decide like where in the opening area you want them to stand. Uh, so you know they can, you can just take up a tactical uh, advantage that way. But the uh, aside from having that rewind feature, and I didn't say this also, is that you can only do it, you can only go back, you can't go forward. So if you decide to go back 20 turns or whatever, you can't decide to later like, oh, I didn't mean to do that and go right back to where you were just before then. So you have to kind of decide right then and there if you want to do it. But like I said, it's a limited number of times you can do it, but you can only rewind time. So that's the that's the important thing to keep in mind. So, uh, how long do, like these uh, battles take? Is like just one battle, and then like another like three hours of visual novel scenes, and then, like one other like another battle, then like another few hours of visual novel stuff going on. Pretty much. Or is there it's... actually like, or is there like chains of battles? Yes, uh, pretty much. It's it's the first, it's the former, in that um, there. I mean, there sometimes there is like a more than one battle at a time in a sequence, but for the most part, uh, that kind of ends as like a, a bookend for a chapter in a sense okay. so like um early on it's all about you know you are helping uh, a band of villagers kind of take on a swarm of enemy uh, the carapaces these like giant insects and w- you obviously are like the, you have to face like this big bad boss and try to lead him to a cliffage to uh, trap him so that once that's all taken care of, you're on to a bunch more visual novels. So it's definitely very, very rich in story. Um, but like I said, the story's been really good um, for a lot of it. And so uh, that's that's it's definitely not a game you should play if you're only interested in the strategy RPG stuff because it's definitely way more heavy on the visual novel. And that's kind of okay. uh, what's it's definitely always been. Like the original game was a lot like that. I got to play the original game and i loved it i love that original game a lot and you know the anime is really good too but um, sorry yeah one more question sorry um 
so with like so few battles like like you know in between like each other like say from battle, one battle next like is there like any leveling system or weapon system armor system yes. for your characters uh not oh i don't know about the what do you mean by like weapon and armor system but oh, i mean um, like you can like equip them with like weapons or different sets of armor yeah or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. like i mentioned you can equip your characters at any time um so uh the leveling system is kind of like um Actually, I'm, I'm not. I'm blanking a little bit if Fire Emblem lets you do this, but you can level up in the middle of combat, and so uh-huh. uh, if you if you level up, uh, it gives you actually an extra turn as well, and so that's pretty oh, that's nice cool. to have. Yeah. So um, let me just. I've actually I've actually got my review up here that I've been working on. So uh, yeah. So you get to you get to level up, and that kind of also plays a role in the way the combat itself works and the combat's pretty fascinating as well like it's not just you know take a turn and go and choose your attack choose your skill and go um it actually is way more dynamic than that so the way it works is that um, the battle system is similar to lost odyssey's uh aimrian system in that when you initiate your attack uh at least for most of the characters i think this is all like the basic attack is that the way it starts is that you've got a little tiny circle in the middle and then you have a large circle on the outside and it starts to like gradually uh, or kind of quickly uh decrease in size until it like tries to line up with the other circle and so you have to hit the hit the button as soon as those two circles line up and that makes a critical attack uh, occur so uh it's just like yeah it's all about timing your button press it's not like uh, like uh, different types of buttons they have to press, like press square, press X, press circle. It's just hit X right when it does that. And what this does, it sets off what the uh, game calls the action chain system. And uh, you can actually, it's kind of like a combo system in a sense. Every time you hit, uh, if you hit the critical attack, it actually lets you go ahead and take on and do an- another move against that enemy, and another move, and another move. Oh eventually... shit, that's cool. So it's like it's like comboing uh, like different attacks into each other. Yeah, because exactly. Of the, like, it's not presses. okay. Exactly, and it's not the same move over and over again. It's different moves, and when you get a higher level, you actually get to unlock more moves as well. And so, and each character has their own elemental. Uh, uh, this element that they're imbued with, so like earth, fire, ice light dark i think uh so then and that's actually one of the elements that they can use so like if you time it just right and this is all done like automatically if you want to do it manually you can totally do that but for the most part i think people might just stick with automatic uh, automatic just because it's you know easier to manage it's it's not as sort of complex if you want to go manual and you want to have full control over what you do that's totally up to you you can do that actually uh after every move because you're actually asked if you want to do if you want to choose so like you can do like i'm gonna do a, a swinging motion and then i'm gonna do a kick and then i'm gonna do a, a, a fireball and hit them with that and then i'm gonna do another kick so it's actually it, it kind of it's a it's a big chain of attacks that you can do and uh and and each of those um uh each of those moves might not follow that same sort of pattern that I just described about the large circle going down to a tiny circle and lining them up. One can be it's going from a tiny circle and expanding outwards and you have to line up the circles that way. Or it's going like a clockwise motion around a circle's perimeter and you have to line it up as soon as the it meets the other side, kind of like uh, a snake eating its tail or something like that. So it goes around I and have, bites it. It's not to the fault of the game, but I have bad flashbacks of uh, that Magna Carta PS2 game. Because... <laughs> 
Oh man, I actually forgot about that. I reviewed that game, but yeah, for the PS2, uh, it's, it's not a, like that. It's way more it, easier. I, it yeah, I, I, yeah, it's definitely you know. But when, when I think about like circles and like RPGs, like it's not like uh, Shadow Heart style. Uh, my mind just like dwells back into that game. It's it's <laughs> um, real bad. I might be making it a little bit more uh, complicated than it actually is. It's actually pretty. I actually picked it up pretty quickly, and it made a lot of sense. It's just yeah, mm. it, it's it, it's easy. Are you are you this in Shadow Hearts? I'm not saying I'm not saying Shadow Hearts is bad. No, no. I'm just saying circle systems and like JRPG battle systems. Oh, the like, judgment ring it, it, is it, fucking it, great. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, the ring was pretty. No, neat. I, 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 I like the ring. Game. I like the judgment ring in, in, in uh, Shadow Hearts. But if I think, but I think about any other game besides that, in terms in terms like circles and JRPG, it's always Magna Carta first because uh, I, I spent way more. Uh, I spent way more time in that game than I probably should have because I was like, this is there's a there's a good game underneath. Why would you this, spend right? so much? I beat that game for review and i fucking hate it i had a hard time getting really into that game because it was so mediocre i i, I like i like the the dude's art in it young take kim i think I, yeah. I think that i was like this is gonna get better because there's no way like a game with his art can be bad right magna carta 2 would tell you wrong um so i, I never did any other magna cartas oh after gosh. that i fucked off it's, it's not, it's I not played Magna Carta 2, and it's like, I literally do not remember a thing. <laughs> no, I literally forgot a review in Magna Carta, the original, until like you just brought it up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I totally forgot I beat that game. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty cool because not only that, it's also got like... Uh, strengths and weaknesses so like um it, i actually mentioned those other elements like the fire water wind earth light dark and neutral um every element has got a one that it's weak against and so that adds another strategic layer to the combat itself and there's also like this zeal bar z-e-a-l bar and that w- every time you do a critical attack it fills up the bar and once that's full uh you become over zeal and so that person gives overzeal. Uh, yeah, it's get, it, they get an additional turn. Uh, it removes any status ailments they may have, and also allows them to perform like a final strike skill. So it's a, a much stronger ability at that. So it's got all these cool systems that are working off of each other. That, like I said, adds a lot of depth to the the gameplay itself. Even if there isn't a ton of it, uh, that you'd be surprised about. And so overall. With that, with that combat and mixed in with the the amount of story that the game has, and like I said, the story has been really good so far. I thought for a lot of the time I would like hate one of the some of the characters. No, it's actually something that I'm surprised at that it's able to balance all these different personalities um, at once. And some person that I might have like a big problem with at the beginning starts to kind of warm its way into my art <laughs> eventually. And so even the bad guys are are interesting in their own respects. And so uh, I would. You know, keep on the lookout for my review. I'm, I'm pretty much done with my review. I'll be doing a little bit, you know, edits here and there until I beat the game. And I think that I'm at the very end of it. So uh, I actually probably should be able to beat that up tonight. And um, yeah, just expect cool. some more of that. That's pretty much all that I've been doing, though. And so after this, um, I've might... been playing uh, our JRPGs that have like grid, like grids and their battle systems that's yeah. pretty good <laughs> yeah let's, let's talk yeah trails in the sky even's got that so yeah we're, we're obviously yeah we found something to mesh with um after this i don't know uh i guess i've got akibus beat uh, that i could i could try out that game's already out but you know i i, I feel like as the person who reviewed akibus trip i should probably cover akibus beat as well and then from there god given right exactly right that's that's just exactly uh as soon as we got the code adam was like this sounds like a zach game i'm like yeah i guess so uh <laughs> i'm known to review all those types of games and i'm not ashamed because i actually tend to um uh, find 
enjoyment from some aspect of it. But the problem with Akibus Beat is that it doesn't have the open city that Akibus Trip Trip has. It's just straight up like a isometric dungeon crawler or something like that, or a top down. I don't know. So I'm kind of concerned about that. I didn't read any reviews for that game, so I don't know how people are approaching that. But it's probably for the best. From there, though, I don't know too much. I'm probably going to try to see if I can check out some more smaller titles because there's been some pretty awesome stuff that's been coming out that, that I, I sure do want to try. Like I think that, what is it, um, Tokyo 42 is supposed to be out at the end of the month, and so I might oh, really? check that out. And then Rakuren, it's another game that came out, like a, I think, a little over a week ago, and I heard really, really good things about that. So I think I want to give that a try. Maybe Dead Cells, I'm not sure. Um, I was thinking about Dead Cells. I was like, maybe it's an early access title. It'll get you know, you know, more completed. I, I've been really thinking about Dead Cells though, and uh, Cosmic Star Heroine. I think Kyle is uh, playing through that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it sounds pretty cool. And then I think there's like a couple other games like Old Man's Journey, and I think Grimes supposed to be out next week as well. So maybe mm-hmm. those things are something that I feel like as a site it'd be better if we start to look at more of those types of games. And you know, uh, when E3 rolls around, I'm sure you guys will be checking out those games as well as they're on the show floor, just because there's so many of them. Uh, it might be worth it to find out more. But yeah, that's that's pretty much on my slate. So let's get to the news. Uh, before we get to sort of the thing I, I really wanted to start with, uh, since we're talking about games that'll be out next week, I did want to mention, yeah, Star Ocean Till the End of Time is going to be out on Tuesday. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Square Enix, of course, has been teasing it here and there, like showing off characters on their uh, Star Ocean account. So they, have, they, they have their Star Ocean Twitter account, which yeah. has said like a few things since the release of <laughs> yeah. Star Ocean 5. They, they, they made like, it so like, obvious at that point. It's like, like, hey, this is Fate Line God. Yeah. What's your favorite Star Ocean what's your memory? Favorite Star Ocean memory? <laughs> yeah. And like, what's the reply that you shared, Josh, was like, oh, the yeah, one that's a remastered the... port? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the PS2 to PS4 thing, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, this seems like it's mostly like the other PS2 to PS4 games. It's like a Only Final Fantasy is, VII is... PC version kind of thing. Well, yeah. it's, but it, this one, obviously, this one is like the one of the very first. that's not like a first party Sony title. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, uh, the Dark Cloud. It took Dark a Cloud. Out that, next I was week. thinking Dark Cloud. I couldn't get the name. <laughs> I couldn't think of the what name. Is it? Yeah, yeah. This, this like it's like so I can read my story. This is. One of the very oh, first third-party kind of versions of that. Now, unlike something like the Kingdom Hearts remasters, this seems to be mostly just like, all right, it's just kind of a resolution bump, yeah. and we have trophies, and that's about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was only announced with like a week before release, so that's the yeah. Type Star, of... Star Ocean already ran well on the PS2 anyway. It was like already 60 FPS. I mean, it didn't really suffer too many frame drops unless like you know it got really really chaotic in battles, just like only like post-game stuff, but. Particle you know, it's, uh, it supports sixteen by nine, obviously. So it's 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 by all means. It looks like a like a modernized port of it. It doesn't yeah. look like amazing. They'll still have like those janky three D bottles on that. Uh, but I I'd like till the end of time. Um, yeah. The gameplay story is it's yeah. good up until this certain point. Yeah. I actually, I mean, if anything, I'll definitely play that game again if, just for the soundtrack because I, I so love that soundtrack so much. I got really far in that game and I played it a lot the last time I did, um, but I actually dropped the game kind of late, uh, but I also lost my save because my PS3, my backwards compatible PS3 bit the it- dust while I was trying to play uh, Artinelico 1, and so... Um, I lost all my progress with that, so that's kind of just, you know, lost my motivation to be playing that. But this is perfect. I just kind of wish 
I know Pollyanna might be saying this as well. I wish they would have done Stoshin too and brought that over it, as well. It's just it's just so first of all, like I've been meaning to get to some of these other PS2 on PS4 games, but it's just mm. you know there's been so many like Rogue modern Galaxy, games that are man. Yeah. Well, like like for example, I love Wild Arms Three. Yeah, I totally yeah, want yeah. to revisit that on PS4. So good. It's like it's the best Wild Arms game. Um, but it's just you know, uh, like that, that's the type of game where like I enjoy it so much. It's like you know what? I want to get the trophies on that. I want to play through it again, and that'll sure. be like my excuse, if you will. Get the platinum. Um, <laughs> but it's just like no time. Um, but I'm, I'm really confused, like why they didn't bother with Star Ocean Two. <sighs> it's so like, sec- or I guess it's technically Second Evolution. Yeah, yeah. Remaster of Star Ocean Two. It's like it's already translated. It's got the English voice acting already. It's you know mm. I I'm not sure why they did decide to to release that. It's because I guess it's so weird because like maybe Star Ocean Two licensing is... thing or maybe like, uh, it, you know obviously we can't speak for them because they haven't said anything about it, but. Um, I would be imagine like you know Star Ocean Two was way better received than Star Ocean Three was because it feels like back then even Star Ocean that... Two is sorry it's a cl- it's a I totally interrupted you no, it's it, okay. it, it seems it seems like it's the common favorite and it's yeah. got some it's definitely the strongest story and characters oh, in yeah. the series oh, which yeah. like isn't a super high bar but it's <laughs> legitimately pretty decent it's but, so cool so, and you know tearing to pieces I, I just remember like the battle effects and all that and i was like oh man it's uh it's something that i i i really bummed out about but maybe it just means that you know first star ocean 3 and then star ocean 2 but maybe if we ever get a chance to talk to those guys we'll ask them but i'm sure they're already getting that question quite often as it is um, star ocean 2 also has some really like kind of weird mechanics that not even later Star Oceans have and no other games have. Like, I remember the something environmental like... environmental stuff? <laughs> well, I remember something like you can have a character learn how to play instruments and then you can, like, have a character play a song and if uh, the song will literally play for, like, two minutes yes. on the oh, menu yeah. screen. Yeah. And then, like, while the song is playing, you can have another character do crafting and then they can craft, like, an item that, like if the song is playing, they have a much higher chance of succeeding. And yes. then if you craft these items, you can use another character with another type of skill to like create another sort of equipment. And it's just like all this weird stuff you can do to, well, you know, you know what? <laughs> ultimately break the game. Like I, I remember like as soon as you get to, um, I forget what the world is called, but the world that Reina is from, yeah, yeah. Um, um, like uh, yeah. you can basically get infinite money at that point <laughs> that's it kind of just breaks it and that's the thing yeah. is like star ocean 2 was like the first game that actually got me into crafting uh and i didn't do anything after like after that i didn't really do much crafting in any game at all until like the atelier series when i started covering that so it's because the crafting was so amazing in that like you said there's so much depth to it uh and that you can do so much with playing off of the other mechanics to improve your chances with it and you make so much money <laughs> so much money in that so you know what what great mechanics uh, star ocean 3 has it has that map percentage system that you if you want to get 100 percent, you'll be stuck at 99 point something and you have to go pixel hunting that's, uh, for that that's last like thing. memories of Salsada for that's, that's and it's thing. it's gonna be it's gonna be great and you're gonna be stuck on a map for like several like minutes to be up to several hours trying to find that last pixel all while random battles are like fucking you up. This is I also remember in Star Ocean three. I also remember in Star Ocean three. I don't know if this is just like an imbalance or what, but the character Cliff has this like up and jump up the up in the air shockwave type attack, and it's like 
ridiculously powerful and like i always had him in my party just kind of spamming that maria breaks the, the game in half no matter oh, yeah. what oh, yeah. and maria yeah. just like Maria's. foaming device with the fucking thing and it's just yeah <laughs> I, I do want to actually uh because i kind of briefly said it but um do you guys ever have the motivation to go back before uh, with games that don't have any trophies at all and 100 percent them or do you just kind of just beat them and say, oh, that was a great nostalgia trip? It depends what it is. Like, yeah. for example, Fire Emblem Echoes is a DS game or a 3DS game and doesn't have trophies, um, obviously, because that's not on Nintendo. Yeah. Not but, like, I, yeah. no matter what, I was going to do the post-game dungeon. Like, I liked the game enough that I was going to do it. Yeah. But but then, like, there's kind of these in-game medals for, like... Um, so I guess that counts, right? It's achievements well, of its own way. Well, there, yeah. there's like these in-game medals that like require you to get like really rare weapons that I guess you have to like rely on like enemies in dungeons can possibly drop this chance. but it's a really low chance. <laughs> yeah. And like even though I really like Fire Emblem, I'm like, no thanks. And yeah. Even if it was like a legitimate trophy too, I'd be like, no thanks. I'm not it it just depends on what it is. Reminds me of Valkyria Chronicles uh... 1 before trophies that so you can get the medals as well. So yeah, Josh, continue. I think the last game I ever like went all out on on like completing its shit is like the original quadrilogy of Dot Hack, and that was like after wow. you beat the final boss, you have like oh. this collectible book, and like I was like, I'm gonna complete that. That's that's I'm gonna do it. And uh, oh yeah, I, that was that was fucking great. Was, you had to do like the great thing about that game is it's a quote as well. I guess you can kind of see it. Like they gave the impression that you have like unlimited replayability because you can mess with the word system, the keyword system to like yeah. make new worlds. Even if there are not much, it difference. wasn't really. A thing. No, it was like very little. You just, you just had you had the illusion. It they, was a they, very, they, it was a, it was a one of a kind thing. <laughs> I think that's on the back of the box. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think like at this point, um, I'm not I'm not one with trophies. Like I've only got maybe two or three trophies. Like I think Arno Surge was the first RPG that, or any game at all, actually, it was my first ever platinum trophy, and that's because it was so easy. I think the second was Persona 4 Dancing All Night, but only because you didn't have to go through the different difficulty levels. You could just straight up just play easy and get all the trophies. So outside of that, I I'm not the kind of person to 100 percent like the idea of doing what you're saying, Starship Three, like pixel hunting for 100 percent. Like wasn't I forget I, there was like this one game that was like notorious for that that like they cut content from the game. Do you remember like some like this story like Yakuza they cut 3? content? Wait, like, they cut content from the game and so you couldn't hundred percent it. I, I think... Um, I don't, I don't know. I the only thing I can think okay. of are like some first-person shooters where they require you like some of the early Xbox achievements. Yeah, like, like get, a Far Cry get top ten, or get top ten on the leaderboard, and it's like yeah, it's impossible now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like um, like I will only get platinum trophies if they're like there's no way you can miss them if like well, say like, nine nine or not nine nine uh virtue's last reward on the Vita. Well like, like for example like if you get the true end, you're gonna get the platinum trophy. Well like for example, like Final Fantasy twelve, when that came out um on PS2, I, even back then when trophies weren't a thing, I was still a, a bit of a completionist where it's like, you know what, I wanna do all the hunts, I wanna do all the extra bosses, I wanna, you know, I think even in that game, it's pretty easy to have every, ultimately have everyone like fill out the license board. Like it's not that big of a grind, really. Um, but like, and I got a lot of the rare weapons, which sometimes those takes a while. But I didn't get all of them because some of them are just like incredibly low drops. So that, that's like the type of completionist I am. Like I like to do a lot of the in-game like content that's there. But when it comes to like stuff that's like random chance, like, nah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I do like uh, getting the the trails series like very like 
easy missables like oh. uh, getting all the bracer points yeah and... second chapter becoming like getting the a rank bracer which basically yeah get all the bracer points stuff like that yeah yeah that that, that stuff is like uh, fun for me but that's about the most i'll go i won't go like crazy like like drop like ingredient grinding for like ultimate weapons or stuff or like third like yeah. 10 hours after that oh, do, do you want to do you want to i don't i don't think this is an achievement in second chapter but like if it was go through the game like five times to get all those zamuria weapons oh fuck dude <laughs> no thanks no thank you i'm, I'm fine that's cool game but mm-mm. yeah I mean, star ocean till the end of time coming next week on ps4 yes absolutely i am going to find out the game that i was talking about because I, i'm pretty I'm pretty confident that there was. Anyway, it, it's like it's an something... RPG where they remove something. And you yeah, know it's it's. Oh, man, I, I remember I heard that about this recently. Is that like you couldn't do it uh, because uh, that's I think it, it's like it was like in fact impossible. Anyone who's listening to this, if they know what I'm talking about, you know, be sure to leave a comment. I don't want to dwell on this too much, but anyway. So yeah, Star Wars until the end of time, like Josh said, is out next week, and also just this past week phantom dust speaking of old games brought uh, over. yeah same year to both 2004 games yes we haven't got a chance to play this at all but phantom dust yes was released as a free-to-play game on xbox one and pc and yeah, so windows 10 store yeah the windows 10 store let's be clear about this not, not on steam not, not on yeah. steam so the the important thing about that is that um yeah it, it's free to play so they did release like uh, this multiplayer I think currency or something like that. Oh, I, I, mean, I mean, it's like it's, it's like free to play is like not like it's kind of underselling it because you can still play the whole single player yes. in it for free. You, you, can, you can access yeah. you can access the multiplayer on it. Obviously, it's like it's still the full game on it, like the full original Xbox game on it for free. There is micro microtransaction for it because it's a, like a deck building game, like it's a, like third person action game, but you have cards like uh, like deck out like your skills yeah let, but, like, let me ex- let me explain what exactly it is yeah because yeah, like you said free to play has a certain connotation to it and i just want to be clear about that yeah you know it's it's well it's like it's kind of like street fighter 5 in that you could totally like build it up and actually they did say it's way better than street fighter 5 in that like when you're trying to earn characters and that it's a lot easier uh to work to get that and so the downloadable add-ons that they released the downloadable content that they released um uh, grants you like a bunch of skills and an arsenal case and so you could take that and jump straight into the uh, multiplayer mode uh, which is the multiplayer did exist in the original game and that's kind of what lasted made that game last as long as it did it's actually one of those games i think i mentioned last time that people were keeping xbox live up uh, aside from halo people were also playing phantom dust because i remember watching someone stream back then I think it might have been like Justin TV at that time. And they were playing Phantom Dust with somebody else until the whole service went down. So Great. that was that was kind of classy. But yeah, they do give you like a um, a bunch of cards. And you're basically fighting to get cards from the other player. So it's kind of like Tetra Master a little bit. Uh, but you beat them, you earn cards, and you build up your deck that way. Um, and so you can also uh, spend some money, which, you know, that's definitely part of free to play. You can spend some money and get accelerants, and also uh, uh, you can to get all the skills and stuff like that. You can just get you can just pay money and do that. But they did say that you can totally um, just play it normally because they did say that they didn't change the core game or the original game itself in any way at all. In fact, uh, all they did really with this uh, version is that they took the four by three resolution, uh, the aspect ratio, ratio, I mean, and made it sixteen by nine. 
And so on the Xbox One, it renders at, uh, I think it's, they said it was 1080p, and then on PC it's at 4K uh, resolution. Uh, it's not really rendered, though, because they said that, I guess, may, yeah. It's they, all the they original were, assets. Yeah, because I mean, they that... don't have access to the source code. Go figure. No. That's just how it is uh, from games back then. So, in fact, it's all the original models and backgrounds. So it's basically like a bunch of post-processing? Yes, it's post-processing. Yes. But it's, it is important to mention that uh, Phantom Dust came out in 2004, and so it was actually pretty late in the game. Game, as far as like the SD era was concerned, so and it, because it had such a unique what, style, the Xbox 360 came out in 2005, so yeah, it was just yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was really late, at its doorstep. Uh, and that's why no one really played it. Um, but because <laughs> everyone was so excited about the next one, because Xbox was an, Xbox 360 was announced in 2004 as well, if you don't remember. So um, yeah, uh, and they had that old MTB party. But in any case, uh, so that is uh, the cool thing is because it's got such a unique art style. And it kind of is that follow of that conversation we had before about that person who tweeted out those pictures of Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne and that even if it was such an old game, it still had such a crazy cool art style to it. Uh, the art direction that it kind of helped it um, uh, be sort of timeless in a sense uh, from a game that it was at a time when a lot of 3D games looked pretty awful. Um, so Phantom Dust is such a game that I think could st- still really holds up. And from what I've been hearing about people playing on Twitter, uh, from people playing it, uh, what they said on Twitter, um, it just felt like they are still into it and it's still pretty fun to play. And so eventually me and Josh or anybody else will get around to playing it. <laughs> we actually yeah, haven't had a chance. Cause we've been I, th- busy. I think the, yeah, I've been busy, but yeah. the, the big win here is like, you know, it's still it's like, it still runs at 30 FPS, but the nice thing is it'll, stay at that frame rate because there's a lot of like destru- environmental destruction in Phantom yes, Dust and back on the original Xbox it uh it banned like it could get to single digit frames uh per second and it kind of made it unplayable at, so- at some points oh yeah but, it was um, hard on multiplayer because you dropped out of matches pretty quickly if you weren't yeah. careful because it, yeah. it everyone machines crashed um but they did say that now that the whole data for the entire game is on uh, Microsoft servers it allows them to push out patches oh yeah and balance updates balance that's, that's kind of crazy to think about yeah yeah so you actually you can make sure that no one's super overpowered with an OP deck or something like that but uh yeah, it's it's a game that I highly recommend people playing if they're interested in card based games. Yeah, it's free, games. right? So yeah. just if, if you have a if you have Windows ten or an Xbox One, just you know, give it a shot, see if it's for you. It's uh definitely its own thing that like no other game has been like not really replicated in a sense. Yeah, and who knows, maybe they'll re announce Phantom Dust proper at E three this year, but I'm not really holding my breath. Probably. Yeah. So um uh, Speaking of revivals, though, this is getting to the kind of the bigger conversation that I wanted to talk about. Sega announced that they are planning to revive uh, their major IPs. Now, of course, they talked about this last year, like the European community manager uh, did say that they had plans to bring more games to PC, particularly uh, the games that fans have been asking for. And so we've already seen a little bit of that, clearly, with Valkyria Chronicles and Bayonetta and uh, soon to be Vanquish, which is out in a few days. Um, So... Uh, now that they've mentioned that, I kind of want to ask you guys, like, what? Give me like one series, uh, each of you guys, that you would love to see them revive. Jet Set Radio Future, uh, either that as a, on the on PC or a new, a brand new one. I mean, the creator of that has been asking for that for like, yeah. Years, so I'm right? I'm totally with him. Just <laughs> yeah. like just fucking do it. That, yeah, he's been. I think that's him. like almost at the top of my list for Sega IPs. Not this even a isn't question. this isn't really much of an ip to be honest but it's kind of like a 
cult classic, if you will. But I, I made, I made, I've, I've making the joke for a while. Like now that I finally got around earlier this year to playing Skies of Arcadia, that knowing my luck, as soon as I play it, they're going to announce a, PS, a PC version. <laughs> yes, that does that, and like uh, the rumors, of course, are back up again about Shenmue One and Two HD being announced very yeah. soon as well. Like as soon as this fall. Uh, Maybe before Shenmue Three's first episode comes out, which you know that's that seems like a given at this point. But still, yeah, is is that your is that your big thing though? Skies of Arcadia or not? Like, well, I mean, res, like what Resonance are, I'm of Fate. I'm trying to think of other what other Sega games. I mean, there's, there's, there's a Shining right? series. Yeah, I, have, I haven't played any of the Shining oh, you, games. I have them all on Wii Virtual you Console. Need to get on that shit. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. Like Sh- Sh- Shining Force Two more than anything. I mean, Shining Force One is pretty appealing as well. But Two, man, that stuff is still so damn good. I, w- I would surprise no one said Resonance of Fate. I thought you guys were big fans of that. I mean, the, like I like Resonance of Fate, but if I like, if we're talking about like digging deep into like what I actually really, really want to see again, it's Jet Set Radio or Alpha Protocol. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. yeah, yes, Alpha Protocol definitely needs to come back somehow, <laughs> and it has to be like. It, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, didn't Obsidian's Twitter account? No, Obsidian's Twitter account. They're just is, yeah, they're playing. They're pretty jokey, but yeah. they're like, yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> don't I wouldn't take them yeah. seriously because they yeah never they, take every. Them <laughs> Yeah, every week it feels like they always uh, on their Twitter account. They're always like, you know, dream project. They have like a hashtag and everything about like, what would you like to see us work on? And I, I, I forget what like one was like, uh, make a proper superhero game or something like that. And I just mentioned, can you like make a game that's sort of like, uh, gosh, I'm blinking on on the. Uh... I I know this is like uh, I'm I'm sorry, this is totally off topic for for you, but I just keep on thinking about all the crazy weird recent collaborations that the Sakura Wars series has had for various Japanese mobile yes, games. Yes, I would love Sakura Wars, but that's already That's just that's like was it like um I was thinking of Actraiser, that's the game I was telling Obsidian to make. But yeah, the Sakura Wars uh wasn't it like recently like that was the number one series in Japan and that was like overwhelming I, in Famitsu? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. To like what they wanted to see a new game for and that was like way above like the votes were kind of like uh overwhelmingly in support of a new Sakura Wars game cuz if you think about it, what was it um what was that Sakura Wars game that we got? So long, my love. So or long, my love. Yeah, that was like the game. The I think it might have even been before that. Like uh, there was maybe it was five or four or something like that. There was a game that um, the developers of that series were working on that was supposed to sort of be the big thing that was supposed to cross boundaries and and make it big in America and the rest of the world. And so, but the problem is that. I heard there was uh, like rumors going around like Sony stopped that from happening because I guess the uh, well, the president or something like that didn't want to have that there. I, I, I know there was like this big discussion on it. I, I figure if it was on like Gaff or GameFAQs or something like that, but apparently there was like this this effort not to have that game that series brought mm-hmm. over, and so it kind of just died right there. It wasn't until I, I, so long, it's my love. Which to see, they like, said is like the weakest. One of the weaker ones. So Have they made a new mainline Sakura Wars game, just like with advancements in technology. Like, what the fuck does that even look like? A lot Kinda. more anime cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, honest, I saw the movie and I love the movie, so I would be. I, I would. I, I think like I was going to say Panzer Dragoon because I'd still think that Panzer Dragoon Saga, after having recently beaten it, I think that that's a perfect game to um, bring at least to Steam and and you know really kind of fix that up a little bit because even if they're missing the source code i talked before about having the ability to uh, reverse engineer the code because that's what they did with shadow uh, echo in the shadow of the colossus hd and that they lost the original source code but the uh, people that worked on the port uh, reverse engineered the game put it to pc 
and put it back on PS3. And so I would love to see them do something like that with Pentagon Saga, because you know Saturn Emulators being as uh, you know unwieldy as they are, it'd be awesome if they m- focus more like on the on the Saturn games mm-hmm. more than see like even Skies of Arcadia or Shenmue, because those games had ability to have a life on other systems like Skies of Arcadia Legends and also uh, Shenmue, of course, being backwards compatible on 360. Um, and the other series would be Atogi, because <laughs> yeah, uh, more everybody would play Atogi. Because yeah. I was thinking, like the, the rig and platinum is being that so vanquished. Like from software, you know, from software is you know has you know had you know PC releases. Like I feel like the stars are kind of weirdly aligning to maybe see Atogi <sighs> on PC. That'd be nuts, but I I'd have, be okay with that. I have both Atogi games, and both of them were not backwards compatible on the 360. So that's nope. how dedicated I am. Yeah. But the it, it was cool because like the first time. I ever saw a Tokyo was when I went to a GameStop at the time it was like software etc um, and I walked in and I saw like this crazy game with this guy like hit another person and he started crashing through a bunch of walls and everything was crumbling all around him and you know back then that was just kind of mind blowing yeah that, that would have like that type of destructibility because all it takes is one button and it's a power swing. It just knocks anything into uh, whatever the environment is, and they bounce off the walls. And it's just that De- definitely so like fun. you know, the, but the, the, at the ending era of like you know, from the Xbox to 360, uh, PS1 to PS2, like that, like environmental destruction was like the thing to really make like you think, oh, this is next gen. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, this is definitely like you feel like uh, that you've made a generational boundary in graphics because of like the fidelity of environmental destruction. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I, I think that, like, yeah. So, just to round up what we talked about, so yeah, it's like we would love to see Atogi, Skies for Arcadia, Panzer Dragoon, Jet Set, Jet Set, uh, Jet Set Radio. Period would be great because that HD, that weird HD release they made wasn't that good. Uh, or at least they exposed it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Future was the one that people seemed to really approach. I don't know if I really liked the Jet Set games that much. I don't remember, but um, you know, if they took it and made it uh, like modernized it, I'm sure it'd be a way more interesting than it was. It'd be bonkers. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Do you want it to have it where, like, when you tag a wall, do you want to like slide past it? Do you want to stop and do the uh, and like swings? Mm, I, I like I like the sliding past it, but I feel like a, a nice balance of both. Like have it the big like ones have, you got to focus on, and the small ones you yes. can slide past. Actually, that mm-hmm. is that well, the way that future worked. I, I think that's the future yeah. worked. Yeah. So yeah. and you know, just a new soundtrack and everything is good. Maybe they'll do a new space jump. Could be all dubstep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, you know, and that in Fantasy Star, give so much, give some love here, guys. Swear to God. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the. One of the bigger topics we want to talk about was was something like that because I was curious to see what you guys had to say. So moving on to the other news that we've got, though, before we get into the next big topic, uh, Nintendo, uh, not even Nintendo, Wall Street Journal sort of exposed this and that uh, Nintendo has plans to release a Legend of Zelda mobile game. Now, what they said was that this is going to come after the Animal Crossing game that was supposed to be released last year i think and that's been kind of kept yeah. pushing and pushing and now it's announced it's for like the second half yeah they, they it's announced for this fall uh pretty much so they did say it would come after that they didn't say how long it would be after that it just kind of said it would if it, it exist in there probably first half of next year i imagine no who knows it could be like december it's it's hard to say yeah, but i mean honestly the way that their track record goes yeah it's like late early late because they've got you know super mario was late last year and then you got fire uh, heroes was first half and then you've got animal crossing probably taking up the second half but it just sounds like nintendo might be making more and more of those games i'm i'm pretty sure we'll hear something about this maybe at e3 um but that's 
that's an interesting uh, aspect that I didn't really think too much about. But I think that the more the more I think about it, uh, it sounds pretty appealing. The only problem that I have, because um, there was a game, was it Xenon? I think that it's pretty much a Zelda game for mobile that had like five or six versions of it, uh, releases of it on on uh, mobile, and that was very well received. And so it can be done. Um, I mean, Animal Crossing, my opinion, is like perfect for mobile because all it is really, you know, you just need to move in a direction mostly, and you don't like need Twitch movements. Zelda, it's it's kind of complicated. Yeah. It can be done. Uh, I just don't think the masses are really as. Um, if, you think as about like, if you think about like the the just the past like Nintendo releases on mobile, like they're they're definitely going for Zenonia, uh, the, the, different different genres, right? Like you had yeah. that um that the first take before Super Mario Run, I forgot it was called. It was like kind of like a friend simulator kind of deal. Oh, you're talking about Mitomo? Yeah, Mitomo. That was its own like kind of yeah, that's weird different thing. But with, yeah. uh, Super Mario Run was a runner. Um, Fire Emblem was a uh, gotcha moba gay. Uh, Super Mario Run seemed like kind of came and went though for most people. Yeah, Pokemon yeah. Go was the big thing, but that's like yeah, uh, that's that's a different company. Yeah, but that's like that's Nintendo. I mean, even if we say it's like it's a different thing, it's still kind of a Nintendo. Like you associate that, but anyway. Yeah, but I I, I don't know. Zelda's a weird thing. I what I don't know. If like I, <laughs> Zelda AR game. <laughs> what if it's like Angry Birds Zelda? Oh he just flings Link. Yeah, he's got a sword go out with a shield on. Yes. Oh, maybe he flies and like. You just destroy oh, yeah. a bunch of like <laughs> Gorons or something like that. Like there, you, you and a bunch of Gorons are like attacking a bunch of the uh, the Deku, In, the Dekus or something. Either like that. that or it's like Candy uh, Candy Crush Saga or something like that. You just got to match three Zelda game. What if it's like Dragon Quest Swords, like for the Wii, where you just finger swipe, like you cut through things like in first person? Oh man, that'd be awful. That <laughs> just so seems bad. laborious. Like you don't want uh, to take you completely out of it. Okay, fine. It's Clash of Clans, but Clash with Zelda Clans. on it. Oh, you gotta build your own fortress, and then you have to. Yeah, you have your own Hyrule Kingdom, oh. and you gotta, you know, Honestly, get your army up. You you joke, but uh, you know, uh, Hyrule Kingdom building your own Hyrule Kingdom does definitely sound like something that would work. Uh, that would, they would do. Uh, <laughs> it as makes as, money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say like you know, as far as the combat's concerned, I would not be surprised if it's kind of like you know the Phantom Hourglass or those types of games where you have like a, a Navi type uh, that you can that you move your finger around and like you trace their path uh, and and Link follows you. Maybe it'll have like a bumping mechanic, or you just straight up tap to attack enemies. Oh, so it's East One now, East One and Two. It's yeah, just bump, much. bump, bump. Honestly, okay, I'll, all right, I'm, I'm in. Bring actually. back the I, bumping I, mechanic. I, I say, like, God, bumping is so dumb, but it's great. It's all, pff, once you level up, you feel like such a badass because you're mowing things down. So. <laughs> once, you, once you hit like a critical point randomly, <laughs> it's fun to watch it because, like, I, I in those games, I, I uh, like, I played that. I played uh, the first ones from like the Turbo Graphics versions like a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and I over leveled early part of the game because I. Just okay. kind of spend time watching something and grinding. I got through some of the hardest bosses in just like a few hits. <laughs> so good, so so fun to do. Adolf like buff, Adolf strong. He's just, just like flexing a, on the screen. Just a little tiny sprite of of Adol and just like bumping his way to victory. <laughs> so um, it's kind of like the yeah. I mean, if Zelda like adopted the bumping mechanic on mobile, I. Kind of be down for that. <laughs> uh, uh, we would be down for it, but I think a lot of people would be upset. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, the be. impact is just kind of dulled at Look, that point. Man, the, the, the fucking strategy is you just go a little bit to the side so you get out of their range, but just have enough to get your uh, your weapon pixel on them. But it's not like on you. It's, it's like you know a link to it's the past. You just have to be on the opposite side of where the the sword is, and then you'll be fine. You just oh, have to bump easy. in there. You have to like it's angle lovely. it. 
Uh, I'm sure it'd be just like Zenodia or something like that, though. Or like I said, the handheld versions where you've got a top-down view and you just, you know, use a trace trace Link's path and just attack that way. Yeah, that just I, seems I, I don't think it'll be. I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll, I'll very surprised it. if it's anything but that. <laughs> I'll definitely play it because I love Zelda so much. And yeah. and actually, I was uh, I was watching someone's video series about breaking the boundaries. It's like this guy made like breaking the boundaries. Uh, I forget what what's it called, but he was showing off like Ocarina of Time and stuff like that. It just made me really want to play Breath of the Wild because I haven't had to play it. I, I think that that's the thing, though. It's like they, they have to ca- kind of capitalize on the excitement around Breath of the Wild. So at least in the mobile game after that, it's going to... the standards so it's are a Breath of the higher. Wild add-on app. It's to enhance your Breath of the Wild experience. What if it's like Assassin's Creed Unity and you have to help find chests that way? <laughs> like you can unlock chests uh, and you have to play that and actually feeds into Breath of the Wild. What if there's like... Now, okay. now you're giving me like a, like a, a worried like vision yeah, of like, what if they what if they made like a, a Zelda game, but it's an Assassin's Creed template. Uh, and like open world and like that. Like it's an like town and you assassinate it, 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 it's, it's like Breath of the Wild, but more structured. So you're more in town. You're having Link. Dives off of like, like giant you're... buildings and into like bales of hay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like if they did make... Make it so that if you you can like win it win uh rewards that carry over to breath of the wild you would see a ton of people play that fucking game i, I feel i feel like that like uh this mobile app, upcoming mobile app i think there's a fair chance it will be somewhat you know have bonuses for breath of the wild players i feel like that's armor a logical step yeah like what if like you can unlock the armor set that link has in the mobile game and use it in breath of the wild because honestly breath of the wild seems like it's going to be around for a while like the support you didn't want to fucking pay, pay for amiibos here you go fuck you fuck go play you. this mobile game play this free-to-play mobile game <laughs> or you can pay this money and get it right away if you want uh yeah who knows what yeah. it's gonna be like so uh nintendo hasn't announced anything this is straight up from the wall street journal and so far they've been in our imaginations yeah wall street journal has been is is like kind of a go-to at this point for a lot of details that and like Eurogamer, they seem like the the two people that are getting a lot of the scoops so i trust i trust what they say so like i said who knows if we hear anything about it at, at e3 just because they still have to release animal crossing i'm sure we'll hear more about animal crossing but um yeah. and that game i think was going to be awesome in there but we'll we'll have to wait and see other news. Pay off your debts. Yes. Anywhere, anytime. Anytime, anywhere. It's a fucking raccoon. So uh, another, I think one of the biggest announcements that kind of blew my mind. Uh, they announced a new Life is Strange game is in development. Now, Don't Not Entertainment, and this was through like a Square Enix blog announcement. Uh, they basically said that uh, they appreciate everyone's patience, you know, and all that stuff. And they said that they're hard at work making a new Life is Strange game. Now, they didn't say anything about this is season two. So who knows if our favorite girls are coming back uh, to this one. As You know, the way the first season ended, I actually kind of don't want them to. I want it to be like a new experience with new characters. Uh-huh. Maybe it'll be two boys and they'll have like a, a gay relationship. Uh, but <laughs> who knows? Uh, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating aspect that I'm kind of ex- excited to hear more about. They, did, um, they didn't really share much about it. It was a very brief video. I think it was like a couple minutes long. All they said was that it's not going to be at E3. Um, but they said they'll announce it when, uh, when, when it's a good time. When the time is right, well, I think ready, is, that, yeah. is what they said. So, Well, don't nod right now is... They're working on Vampire. 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 And that game looks pretty fun. I, I, yeah. I, I, from all the gameplay footage that they've been putting out. Uh, but the thing is, is that I think they said the original Life is Strange team. And so I don't know if it's the same people. I would imagine that uh, like they're hard at work on the new Life is Strange. And then the Vampire team has been working on like they've always been. I don't think that there's any crossover there. Or at least if there is, it's very little. 
because it just seems like... I just don't know how big this, you know, this you studio think, is. Like, I... That's the thing is that you would think, like, say, for example, like Platinum Games or something like that, like, they clearly had multiple projects going on at once. So it's, yeah. I would imagine they're kind of big enough to do that, or at least maybe it's just that they have a small team working on Life is Strange in the conceptual stage, and then it'll grow as Vampire ships yeah. or gets closer to gold. So um, that's, yeah, I think you're right, Adam, that that's probably more like what it's going to be like. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know if you guys played Life is Strange, but I was a huge fan uh, of that, and I, I was very excited for that. The only bummer is that they released the Japanese voices on Steam, but they, they took it off. And so I, I was actually uh-huh. curious. You saw, I don't know if you saw the trailers for the Japanese dub, but apparently they got some kind of top name voice actors for that, and it was apparently very, very good. Um, huh. so I'll have to find out a hack or something like that. But I think like right now you can get it for like five bucks the whole series on uh, a whole, whole season anyway on Humble Store. So anyone listening to this, let me check real quick. I think it, it still might be, but you know I think that's uh, I think it's very much worth playing. A lot of people kind of turned off a little bit by the first episode, maybe even the part of the second. But it does really, really pick up. And yeah, it's still five bucks as of this recording. So yeah, I haven't really. Uh, I I think I played the first maybe a bit of the second episode i just i kind of really I, did, I, 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 ran, I ran out of time like i didn't have time to to get back around to it and after hearing like you know kind of like a, a good like portion of people were kind of bummed out on how the first or the final episode ended on that yeah like i just n- never got around to but i think it uh it does the opposite it, of what you'd expect in that the mm-hmm. beginning and the end are kind of like eh, and the middle's like whoa <laughs> so it's yeah it's, it's kinda, it, here it gets yeah. wild but i oh, think yeah. it's really cool that uh you know the developers are revisiting that but on um, hopefully uh, much like you i think they should re- really explore uh new characters go for a new thing yes, uh, they explore they different themes uh, I, I really like the presentation of that game i really like the kind of like the sketchbook kind of down-to-earth style that it uh tells uh you know from what i played obviously but i, I really really like this the visual elements they they add to that game it's it's it, it's a smart way to kind of present uh you know kind of like that adventure genre absolutely and you know as long as they've got more you know indie music and stuff like that i think that's mm-hmm. also i think that was also a uh, very strong element of that yes game. more sid matters you know more jose gonzalez i think that all that all that type of music is is something that i love bright eyes it, i would love to I see really, more the, that. yeah the, i think the really cool like part of it uh in that game is like just the body language like you know how characters yeah. presented themselves how they interacted it it felt very fluid and dynamic like it's i hope they continue to like refine that and, and really you know, don't rely too much on like spoken dialogue, but also just the way, like, also rely like you know, the visual aspects too. Like, you know, you can you can speak, communicate with each other, like, you know, non-verbally. Yeah, it's like they need more exploration. They need more interaction with the things that you can do and have. Obviously, your your the your decisions make bigger consequences than they did mm-hmm. in the original game because it didn't feel like it was as meaningful. It did mm-hmm. make a difference, but it didn't feel as important. And it was sometimes it just felt like the payoff was kind of flat. Yeah, say. payoff a little flat, or at least you're like, oh well, it didn't really matter what decision I made. Mm-hmm. Um, there definitely is sort of that type of thing, especially in episode three and four. That that does feel like the case uh, for some parts of it. Um, because it does, it's kind of like that uh, uh, Walking Dead kind of thing, the the Telltale version that you know you're. <laughs> don't remember this. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like uh, <laughs> it, it's it's it does feel like though that um, it's a little too obvious sometimes, and it would be great if it just sort of. It's kind of like what the David Cage games you wish that they did as well, and that like I want it to be a little more ambiguous, but also. Um, 
really drive home like you really fucked up here you know like you really should have done this or yeah, at least, I, I, or, I, I really want my decisions to be more like you know ambiguous like you know vague like i i yeah you should not you shouldn't know what like the clear-cut like end goal of this is it should be more like oh because i tried to like you know help this person out who knew i did had no idea that i would like you know fuck over this person it shouldn't be like oh if i help this person this person is clearly fucked and you see it coming from like 10 miles away yeah yeah not like immediate change but like you know it's far-reaching effects and stuff like that like and it goes if they decide to do episodic make it it make it kind of like that um because for the most part it does feel like you know it's like it doesn't really matter what you decided here this is gonna this was gonna happen mm-hmm. no matter what so yeah like the 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 way that the the thread goes anyway uh i'm excited for that and i think that it gives them a second chance to really do something big uh mm-hmm. and really improve on on the original so it seems like yeah, that's I'm, kind I'm of sure, a, i'm sure the first life yeah. is like you know their first life strange project i'm sure is like well beyond their expectations so i think they know what the stakes are like it'll, it'll, it'll i feel like it'll be just be like a bigger better more refined thing for that you know series and that's what it needs it's kind of like this whole year it's been kind of like that you know it's like it's it's like second chances you know to really do something about it like you've got obviously you got near with near automata really improving the biggest on the first second one. chance the biggest <laughs> second chance but also like personally it's like yomorari's got a second chance and then you yep. got life is strange has got a second chance and so the more that they do something like that um you know yomorari's kind of like on the lower tier compared to these things but star ocean 3 has a second chance yeah star ocean 3 has a second chance uh, i don't think they i don't think for the most part i think they're gonna they're, they already made their decision about whether yeah. they like that game um so that's that's i think that's that's really cool to hear and i'm glad square enix is willing to invest in that while they're getting rid of hitman they might as well put some money into life is strange why yeah. Anyway, it's still such a bummer to think about. Anyway, moving yeah. on to some more news that we've got. We've also got details on. Well, this is kind of like we're going to kind of quick quickly go some through this. Yeah, like a lot, a lot of small kind yeah, of yeah. Yeah. just little tidbits here and there. Like for example, Disgaea Five is out in Europe now. I think yes, uh, came out in demo. Europe first. No, I thought the game was out. Was the game out in Europe right now? I thought it was the demo came out yesterday for uh, May nineteenth oh, for Europe. Wrong. Uh, but you know, I'm getting the demo mixed up. One second yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, the Sky of Five complete demo is definitely out in uh, North America. We're verifying if the full game is out in Europe now, or whether the demo is. Uh, but important thing to know, note about demo is that the save data does not transfer over to the save game. Oh, I mean the full game. So uh, don't go into the demo expecting all your progress to you know go back to the full Switch uh, copy. Um, yeah, we did. We did put out a review. Uh, one of our new uh, members, Chow Minwoo, uh, first review for the site on this guy of five complete, and he really liked it. He really liked that, you know, just in the inherent uh, strength of the Switch is, you know, it's the best uh, Disgaea uh, portable game uh, game experience. Who knew because, the best yeah, who Disgaea knew, right? game is the best yeah. Disgaea I, I was, portable game? Holy I God. was mistaken. I know. I know. Occasionally, you get that European Friday release before the north american tuesday yeah, release, yeah, yeah. but but i was wrong it releases next tuesday and next friday in north america and europe respectively yeah, it's, it's but out. the demo is out just if you want to try it mm-hmm. I, I do think it's kind of neat in general that um demos have kind of made a bit of a comeback in, the, in like the last year or so so like yeah Nier, I'm, I'm, tales of berseria you know just Gaia. I think if like, anything, like for Switch, it's very necessary for the Switch because it, it's like things that tied over, like the Splatoon, uh, you know, the test fire or whatever it's called. I, I think that's. Yeah, those, mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's. Oh like, yeah, the, Arms is gonna have like a test punch, test punch. next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great fucking name. It's so dumb. It's I can't so dumb. Wait. It's so great. 
it, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just hearing, you know, talk about the Disgaea of Hype Complete, like it seems to just be identical to the PS4 version, but you get a better deal because all the, all the DLC is on it, and that's a shitload of content. Yes. And, you, you know, get... the, perform- the performance seems to hold up uh, well even in portable mode, which actually surprises me because I hear Disgaea of Hype gets super fucking chaotic, and to, to hear that, you know, that the Switch handles it like champ, uh, it's awesome. You it's know, good. I mean, honestly, the one thing that sells this guy five, if you want uh, the complete version with all the DLC, it's that Nisa's in it, which is the best character that was <laughs> taken out of the neptunia games and Robbed. put into the sky five yeah she was stolen away because idea factory took over but nisa is a dlc character and i think that's enough she fights for justice is what i'll say so <laughs> that's yeah honestly like i said with my original review i think the sky five is like the best sky game of all time it's so good with so much depth to it so much fun to ha- be had and i can't that's the game that i think would sell the switch to a lot of people uh, yeah it helps it you know you can take it on the go you know because yeah, like, you get so many hours out of it it's like not, not a lot of people you know can, can't always like sit in front of a tv you know like for so many hours like i think that's a, like just strategy rpgs in general i really like taking on a go yeah and i in the fact that i it can't, so. i almost wore out my psp with tactics ogre yeah that's, <laughs> that's a, but that's the important thing is that they they already the developers already said that sky 5 was impossible to be ported to the, the vita and so just the fact that it's on the switch that is capable of being portable uh, just shows that how important a device like that really can be, uh, like the the potential that it has, and that it can really sell these experiences that are that were originally released on a traditional device as the PS4 was. Um, and you know, everyone's of course concerned that they have like this HD rumble stuff and all this other things that are sort of gimmicky, too gimmicky, and that might like throw off uh, developers from releasing a Switch version on it. Um, but it feels like with something like this, they are showing some sort of like a commitment that they could totally do something like that. And, you know, it's it's a good future for Switch fans in that they might see Disguise 6 uh, be brought over there as well on, it, upon release. Yeah, the, the Switch is such a, a weird thing because, like, I think the the way you can present it to people so easily, like just having the kickstand uh, laying it on a table. Like, last <laughs> it's weekend. like a poor quick stand, <laughs> though, like a bad one. <laughs> I mean, no, no, but it's like it works. Like it doesn't like move when I sit on a table. It's it not like off. flopping over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it hasn't gone faulty on me. But oh, okay. like last weekend, I went to a Mother's Day dinner, and like you know, my uh, my my sister's fiance, uh, you know, I wanted to he wanted to check out the Switch. So instead of like you know using it on portable mode, we actually tried out you know like pop out the kickstand, put it on the table while we're waiting for our food. And my my nephew and his friend are watching, and my sister too, while he's like playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Battle Mode. And like right after like you know the ice cream is already like checking out eBay and Walmart, like he wants one of his own, you know. And, <laughs> it's a good like, selling point. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's a really good way to like you know present that kind of experience to people because you know with the Vita and the 3DS, while you can definitely take it out you know on the go, it's hard to show it to people like in that capacity. No, and, uh, like the screens, the are versatility in, of it. Yeah, the screen isn't yeah. big enough or at least that yeah I, th- I think the size is actually kind of like it seems kind of trivial maybe but it's important like if you have like a beta it's like well you can get these similar sorts of games on phones right um whereas yeah. like the switch like switch games you can't get like mario yeah, you, can, you, you can tell right you know so. right away that it's just like oh wow that's kind of crazy that they were yeah. able to like you know pack it in like this and you can take it on the go like this and you can even like output it to the tv if you yeah. if you want yeah, at any time. yeah the vita i mean the the Switch screen isn't that much bigger than the Vita, but the the Switch's screen is so much better. And that, like it's it's it looks a lot better, even if you're comparing an OLED to 
the tablet, which isn't that great. Uh, it's just the fact that everything pops more. And Nintendo's art direction, obviously, is on point. But then, because yeah. you've got, like, you know, Mario Kart or Zelda, that's a really easy selling point. Then you've got the Sky 5, which I think already looks pretty cool. Uh, that, you know, something for strategy RPG fans, which, you know, the Wii U had zero strategy RPGs. So, uh, like, literally, I can't think of one other than maybe like a virtual, virtual console game or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that more people got to play that game. And I, um, just based on reviews alone, like Child's review, it just shows that, you know, it, it's sort of, I feel vindicated a little bit that, you know, more people are getting uh, a chance to really experience that. And it's crazy to think that, like, maybe this guy as a series might have a bigger audience there. Because even if uh, this guy has been historically on on PlayStation and it feels like that, it kind of gets buried a little bit. And so on the Switch... Yeah, there's really a lot a of games. To, yeah. yeah. There's definitely, like, a prime time for, like, you know, developers who yes. feel like that other... Uh, like consoles like crowded on the market like with just game, uh, other games like that switch is a very tempting offer right now because it's at that it's early enough in its lifespan that like you know anything you put on it will have like little, a bit of spotlight yeah like it like even playing like garo mark of the wolves a lot on switch because like one i found it really fast and two it's just it's a fun game to take on the go and you have and that big screen really helps uh bo is like a that it's one of those games once again that like it i probably would have passed on it like if it got a ps4 release that they made it work somehow or like a pc release but now that it's on the switch and the way you control it it really really plays to the strengths of that system a lot and it's important to point out that um the sky of five because it was a ps4 exclusive originally didn't sell that well because in japan i think it only sold like in uh I think it was like fifty, sixty thousand, and then yeah, in the yeah. West it was just barely over a hundred thousand. And then with the Sky Five complete, like the pre-order is already matching what it sold in in, in the West. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll even exceed it. So just based on that alone, I think that's it's obviously great to hear, and it's it's something that they really needed because I think as a company as well, because everything, all that fallout with Idea Factory and all that stuff, for people leaving Nissan, uh, Nippon-Nichi in in in, ro- in droves, uh, the key developers and stuff like that they really needed something like this to bounce back from because it felt like for a while there if it wasn't for nice america that company would be in very dire straits so you know with the help of this uh it really can hopefully speed up some development about whatever they have planned next because it feels like every day Nichi announces a new game and i think that is a large part to the success of of some of the other games that they've been putting out lately so the smaller the projects the better but discover five is one of those series that uh i have a lot of fondness for so Huh. I'm happy about that. I'm um, waiting for the third game on Steam. Yes, Disgaea Three. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll announce that soon because it feels like they, they Disgaea wanted to. Did, did they ever announce Disgaea Three yet? Not yet. No, 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 they haven't announced it. I'm just two was. Oh yeah, two was announced at. No wait, that came out right before the press. The it came press out like in January. Yeah, thing. the end of January. Yeah. I thought they announced something at. The press I think Disgaea that... Two PC was not announced at a at a, at their press event. It was just kind of a standalone thing. Like, yeah. Hey, we're make, we're doing this. I think they announced it like last fall, and then it came out earlier this year. So Sky, I, I'm, sure it'll pop it, uh, I'm sure it'll pop its, uh, its head out sometime. Maybe they'll have Sky it at E3 because we're supposed to meet them. But yeah, so you've got the Sky Three, uh, then you can get straight to the Sky Four. Arguably, besides the fifth one, the best Sky game of all time because you got Troy Baker talking about sardines. So um, moving on to more news that we've got here, just the last of the last few pieces before we get to the book of this, Dragon Ball Z Universe Two. Uh, just not even uh, a couple hours ago, 
actually before this podcast, which has been going on for a bit here, but we're having fun. So, yeah, Josh, you can talk a little about this, of course. Yeah, the Xenoverse 2 Switch port is uh, coming to Japan and North America this fall. Uh, That's Presumably, that's also Europe, but there hasn't been an official announcement for fall on them as well, as of the time of this recording, but I'm sure it's going to be fall. Um, You know, some of the other enhancements of the Switch version will have uh, motion control support. I don't know if they come out and said like an exact control scheme it's gonna be like something like arms or something uh ad hoc support uh so like if you want to hook up with like another uh com- like combatant on uh, on a switch system uh you can go uh go up against them locally like that and also uh supports uh local two-player battles uh, with one system so one joy con per player um so just nice. I'm, I'm not sure I'm, i don't know if they've come out and said if they'll have a dlc in it or if uh, they'll separate, uh, sell it separately on the shop, uh, I don't think they they've come out with details on that yet. But you know, if you're been if you want a Dragon Ball game on the Switch, and I've heard very good things about Xenoverse too, it'll be in your hands by the end of this year. I think that's awesome. I think that because that game has got such deep customization, uh, just having more people play it. Uh, I heard great things about it. Hopefully, they fixed up the servers. I don't remember if they ever did, but I remember that being like kind of an issue. Uh, mm. The server's having problems. Um, but yeah, the idea of playing Dragon Ball's universe on the go just sounds like a lot of fun. So excited for people like that. Yeah. And also, now this is kind of all the the only thing they announced. And Josh, I'll just take this real quick if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. Harvest Moon, Light of Hope, uh, Natsume. So this is the, uh, this is the not Story of Seasons, just Harvest Moon, Light of Hope. It was announced for the PS4. And the Switch and the PC. So this makes the de- debut of the Harvest Moon series on, on PC. And, of course, the Switch. So all they said at the time, the creator did, of the ser- of the, uh, the person working on it, was just that they wanted to sort of evoke the SNES-era feeling uh, while also taking a, a kind of a more, uh, they put more focus on the story about it. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, um, maybe you can actually take from this, Josh, but then they just say, like, you're... You're like on a boat and you wash up on shore or something like that. So it's like a typical, <laughs> like, um, uh, like uh, you're actually Adolf from Yeast. Oh yes. yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> just wake up. Uh, one day. No one should ever take a boat with that all ever again. Yes. Yes. No matter what, it's uh, but always yeah, a the, the details are very, very like you know, no pictures, uh, no video, on this. It's just like a logo, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, yes, that, that's no, it. Yeah. So we'll we'll probably see it at E3. So uh, you'll have like you know the first details there, and you know hopefully Harvest Moon comes back in a super big way. I think it's uh, cool that they're getting these on. Uh, like the big platforms right away. Yeah, that's that's kind of all they did. So yeah, hopefully we'll get some more details. But you know, for what it's worth, I heard like people felt a little bit better about the recent Harvest Moon games, and so maybe they're getting their footing again. Um, and yeah, that story Pretty of awesome. seasons, the Trio of Towns, isn't that like new DLC? It's supposed to be out like that really huge DLC that's way more substantial. I think that that's supposed to be out sometime soon because they keep talking. Xy keeps talking about it. Um, yeah, I th- I'm. I'm- I don't know the exact release date, but I think that's nearing. Yeah, that's supposed to be near. And the last piece of news before we get to this is that yeah. South Park, The Fractured But Whole, they finally revealed a release date. Ubisoft had their recent earnings call after their fiscal year, and that um, after being delayed from last year, so it's just following the same path as the original game did, South Park, The Stick of Truth, um, they announced that it's going to be out on October 17th, and they released a new trailer 
It looks really damn good. It's just the fact that... And it looks like that'll be the final release date and it won't get delayed anymore. Yeah, I I am sure. I think this is the final time. There's like the second or third delay of that game. Yeah. So it's kind of wearing on people. It was supposed to be early 2017, then spring 2017, then move to the new fiscal year. I don't know if they ever said early September. Yeah, they they did. They said they moved... They said early. I remember that. I I just remember when it was delayed from the end of 2016, which that wasn't even its original date. I thought at that point they were just like, it's coming out 2017 at some point. I don't know. But maybe they said early. I think they said, yeah, they did say early 2017 because even I'm looking. So I did a search even on the Ubisoft website. It says, play as the new kid to battle the forces of evil. Come in early 2017 on PS4 early, uh, Xbox One and PC. So that is definitely what they said. And then it was also mentioned to push to March. And then it was like later. October is the new early. Yes. Yeah. Early 2018 Uh, is what I hear. So. so there you go, October 17. That should be pushed back far enough for them to finalize it and yeah. ship it. I, I I still I'm still really eager for that game because it's it was like I said, Stick of Truth was so damn good. I'm excited for that. Hopefully, maybe it, maybe it'll be a better Paper Mario game than Color Splash. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given at this point. So let's get into the big conversation that we wanted to do. Um, obviously, I mean, honestly, this probably won't be a big conversation because it's it's something that we're, we made a decision as a site. Uh, that we were going to cover because we didn't do anything with the first one. So um, Bungie and Activision held their big uh, debut announcement events uh, that, yeah, just more uh, first details For the second on Destiny. Uh, yes, Destiny 2. Destiny, even more Destiny. Like, even more. You're, like, you had a Destiny 4, but now it's double. Yes. Destiny. This is my Destiny 2. That's what I call my, that's called, this is, this is yeah. what the, the favorite movie quote, um, this is my Destiny 2. So, I mean, it, yes. the, 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 the main takeaways from that event is if you're a Destiny player, it's going to be still a lot more of the same. Um, it, it's not like reinventing the formula, but you know, there's some nice uh, quality of life improvements. The story campaign can be done with uh, solo or with friends. Uh, and stri- obviously strikes and raids are going to be done multiplayer, but there's an uh, all new like uh, guided game feature now. So if you if you like to play solo, you could actually go out and reach out to like uh, like temporarily like aid and join clans uh, for raids. So you don't have to like make a pre-established party like outside of the game because the the first Destiny didn't have a matchmaking feature for that. So you had to like hook up on forums, uh, you know, find out your own community to actually get that stuff going. Um, a lot of like news for the PC version of uh, Destiny 2. And the biggest uh, news from that is that Destiny 2 on PC will be exclusively on Blizzard's Battle.net or called the Blizzard app now. Who No one actually knows if it still goes by Battle.net because a few months ago, uh, Blizzard was like, hey, no, we're not going to be called the Battle.net anymore. But now they said Battle.net again, so who actually knows what that is now? Yeah, um, they, they didn't want to make steam take a 30 percent cut anymore like we can yeah. get all the profits for ourselves by just i think that's a good move you yeah, know like more competition yeah. yeah more competition is nice uh pc version looks uh, super buff right now uh there's any yeah. 4k support uncapped frame rate um the key bo- keyboard and mouse support for it will have full custom key bindings uh big one for a lot of people is adjustable field of view for destiny 2 on pc and 21 by 9 support which is awesome that's a really damn nice feature list for the PC version off the bat. Uh, the the big thing about this, though, is it's not the PC version of Destiny 2 isn't launching alongside the, the console versions on September. I forget what it was in September. Um, but they, they said 
coming soon on it, but not, so they didn't confirm if it'll come on launch day. I think they already confirmed that it won't be. Um, yeah. Like just the, just like the first Destiny, the Destiny Two will have uh, timed exclusive content for the PlayStation version, and there'll be a beta planned this summer. But you know, uh, I I kind of want to check out the first Destiny. Uh, you know, just kind of some. I want to see like what the new player experience is like on that these days. I have like uh, a wrap copy of like the Taken King Legendary or the Legendary Edition of it up to the Taken King DLC on my shelf that I just never had time to get around to. Um, but I, I really want to see that PC version of Destiny Two though. It looks pretty good. Excited all, all to hear the, about that. Uh, all, all the press assets for Destiny Two, like we're all 4K screenshots, so they're really committed to. Uh, did he? Uh, did you hear that. like that story? Like that uh, developer on Twitter just said, like to response to somebody asking about the Switch version. He's like, "I'm a big fan of Nintendo, but it's probably not going to come to Switch." I was like, "Cock tease." <laughs> I mean, there. yeah, it, it, it's tough, right? I mean, they have. I can only imagine like it could the, totally the happen. They just, they, I don't think. Uh, I, well, I mean, Destiny Two is al- <laughs> it's always online though. That's the thing with Switch, yeah. you can't have that. Why not? I mean, it, it, just, but if you're out on the go, you can't play Destiny Two. If you're out on the go, then you would just shut it off or something like that. I mean, I, I don't that, know. That, that's that, that just seems like a bad thing for that system, to be honest. Like, it's like putting an MMO on. On the Switch, I, I just don't think it's a good online. fit. Was it episode? Was it two or something like that? I forget what the game was. But like you couldn't even play it offline. And so there's definitely games you can't play offline. So uh, yeah, I, I just don't know if that that'll really jive with a lot of people who own a Switch. Like I don't think you'd go to a Switch to play That's a always cool. online MMO game. I mean, I mean, it'd be common sense, like right? Like you would just say, like, okay, obviously I can't play this MMO. On the, without an internet connection, so that's I don't know. I think I think I still think it's definitely possible if they wanted to make a game for the Switch like that, they could totally do it because there's going to be online only games for the Switch. That just makes sense. Like they they definitely are going to exist on on that platform. If you're a Destiny fan and you're out in the go and you can't play Destiny, what you do is you're on Destiny forums on your phone. Yes, yes. There you so, go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I can't get enough Destiny in my life. So uh, that's are you. Gonna... You can play. I don't know. Has to, no, Switch doesn't have any first-person shooters yet. That's what it needs. A first-person. The Conduit Three. There we go. Yes. Now we're thinking. Hopefully, a new Metroid Prime or something like that. We'll find out. So, um, oh yeah, and actually, also wanted to mention real quick is that um, for news because we, we're done with Destiny, and you know, like I said, as a site, we've decided to cover this game, and so expect more content coming up uh, for that as we get more details. So, I just want to briefly mention what I just saw. That was something cool that was just posted. So Xbox recently had an update in that um, when you're in a party, you can actually put an overlay on your screen that tells you which party member is talking at any point. You can move it around the screen. I think that's fucking awesome, and I wish that was something that Sony had because <laughs> that's so useful knowing who's talking at one point. And it's good for streaming too. So yeah, I just want to mention that was like a, a cool update that I just saw that I think that's cool. Oh, also, Owlboy was announced for the Switch and Y2K. And I think that that's fucking cool because Boy is only on PC and it's it's apparently a very I mean I got to, I beat that game at 11:59 p.m. on New Year's Eve and I was so happy that I beat it before the New Year but it's such a great time and I, I wonder, glad more people got to do it. I, 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 this must be like a, a lucrative offer for like uh, like PC only indies at the moment. It's just like I can bring it to like Sony platforms and you know it, it, there's a chance it'll do reasonably well, but there's already so many indies at that store. Like I wonder if just like just bringing that game on Switch right now only just for maybe for like a limited time just to get that exposure on that platform. 
it's like a good idea. I mean, honestly, that's why so many developers are getting out of the mobile space because it's super overcrowded and they're releasing their games on like Steam and, and consoles and stuff like that. That's why you see more of those is because they have no absolutely no chance anymore to make a, a real impact there. But yeah, definitely for Nintendo. It's a, it's exactly what uh, Sony did when they had their I Love Indies program in that they had uh, a ways to go before they could release their first party games and second party and so they needed something to fill the gap and so they they put on this huge event uh drawing in indie developers to release their games there and nintendo's clearly uh going off of sony's playbook the only thing though is that sony eventually dropped the indie program entirely just because they didn't really need them anymore now that they've got their games coming out um i mean obviously they'll still okay with having them on there they just don't really put a big effort on like their press conferences and stuff like that so this gives nintendo a big chance to really do that I'm glad that developers are, you know, really uh, prioritizing, like, you know, the frame rate on that portable mode because Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2 bundle didn't set a great, you know, first impression of that. But, like, you know, the recent uh, release of Thumper on the Nintendo Switch eShop, like, you know, I hear the portable mode is fan-fucking-tastic for that uh, constant 60 frames. Which is, you know, very, very essential for that. It's definitely essential. I don't know if you can really compare, like, Thumper to Dragon Quest Heroes, though. I That's know, like a totally but I mean, I, I'm, just, uh, yeah. I'm, talking, but I'm talking about, like, you know, just priority. Like, you know, I, I would yes. be okay with, like, Square Enix, like, you know, a dump, like, putting that, like, Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2, like, on, like, a very, like, you know, lower resolution just for the sake of, like, you know, a, even a smooth 30 frames per second instead of just, like, fuck, man. You're killing my system uh, yeah. actively, <laughs> and I don't. I don't know if you mentioned this when you were talking about Vores, but that's a game that's only playable on portable, and so on the portable uh, version of Switch uh, when you're when you take it out of the dock, and so you can definitely see more games like that, more like smartphone experiences. It makes me wonder if eventually Nintendo will take the mobile games and put them back onto uh, on the Switch in that fashion. Fire Emblem but Heroes on the Switch. Honestly, like all the Fire Emblem Heroes, uh, like. Fire Emblem Echoes and stuff like that, like the 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 games that don't look good blown up, I can definitely see them making it so that it's only playable, portable, uh, Switch portable version and something like that. I mean, you, I don't. There was a way to play like DS games and stuff like that on well, not DS games, whatever. You could play those games on the on the Wii U. It just didn't look that good. You could actually choose like the different layouts you wanted, but it just uh-huh. didn't look that great. So it's definitely doable, but you know, just the way they can I, 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 just play around with the Switch is so cool. I'm still I'm still waiting for like the shmup developers to like get on the switch and actually like have like the vertical, vertical? mode on the yeah right yeah, yeah. so because you can play them like you know, with one Joy-Con no problem oh my gosh like, need some more need some more cave shooters uh, to, to I I really still I really want like you know more developers like just 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 explore the possibilities like of like how feasible a vertical mode would be on this system because I want, actually want to try that out. Absolutely. You know, honestly, uh, there's definitely games that uh, could definitely exist there. I wish, I wonder if they would actually come up with like a port of pro gear. That'd be fucking great. Right. Anyway. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it for the news and that's it for the podcast. It's been a long one uh, as we figured it would be uh, just because based on what, all the stuff that we wanted to talk about. So let's we'll discuss about where you can find us. As always, you can look for us on our website at uh, rpgsite.net. Uh, right now, we've got reviews up, like we just mentioned, uh, for Disguise 5 Complete. Um, recent review for Fire Emblem Echoes. Uh, I've got a review from Brian that just went up for Prey. Uh, it's a little different, uh, something a little different from us, and so I hope you guys like that. And, of course, Dragon Quest Heroes 2. 
And uh, this week we got reviews going up for Utuwa Romano, Mask of Deception. And um, is there something else I'm thinking of that we're, we're supposed to have a review up for? I think uh, Andrea is working on something, and I know Natalie is working on, on something as well. And so hopefully we'll, we'll have something from them as well up on the site. But we'll talk about that at the next podcast if we do. Yeah, the, the, this week's releases are Disgaea 5 Complete. Uh, Summon Night 6? Really? That's coming nope, out this nope, week? Nope, nope, It's been delayed to oh, like the fall. It's been delayed? Okay, <laughs> it's not gonna, right. Oh, maybe June or something. It's not out anytime soon. That's That was yeah. apparently, like, um, just quickly, Vike Garland apparently had a huge issue with the ROM. It was sent to him wrong, and uh, so there's a big problem that he that he had to face at the very last moment. So he had to delay that game, unfortunately. But I can tell you right now, because I had to play that game. Uh, as okay. Adam Paul right. will be the one to review it. <laughs> so we'll find out. You did so, five, uh-huh. so... Um, and then, yeah, uh, of else? course, the Vare Rumono, mm-hmm. um, the Japanese release of East 8 on PS4. Yes. Coming out. The, ones that, the one that we actually care about. The Vita version apparently didn't scale well, didn't balance that well. So. I, I, I hear, yeah, but no, you're, talking, you're thinking Tokyo Xanadu on that one. I thought East 8 also had problems with the Vita. No, no East 8, like, you know, it, it, it was fine on the Vita. I mean, like, it had, like, this little slowdown thing, but it, it, in terms of, like, difficulty balancing, Tokyo Xanadu on the Vita was the one that oh. was, like, Super easy. I think and what like I'm thinking of is that it just looks way better on the PS4. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Anyway, that's a given. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. Okay. That's awesome. It. And yeah. And and some of the games we talked about. So, uh, and yeah, Sky 5 Complete, I think, is the big release. So also you can find us on Twitter at RPG site. Uh, we're nearing 50,000. Maybe by the next podcast we'll have, we'll have hit that number. So it's exciting times. Um, also on Facebook.com slash RPG site net. On youtube.com slash RPG site net. Uh, we just put up a video Alex did for Final Fantasy XII. Uh, talked a little bit about the new classes that are in that. And so uh, we're counting down the days until that's out in July. July 11th, I think, is that is that the date? Anyway, it's out in July. And so we'll have, we have a video up on there. And the continued adventures of Valkyria Chronicles 3, as always. You can also find us on iTunes. Uh, just search for TetraCast. Also, our Discord. Uh, Discord.me slash RPG site is the permanent link. Uh, we'll get a lot of discussions in there. And then finally, we'd like to share our Twitter handles. So where can they find you, Adam? K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Thank you. And Josh? Uh, it's H-D-K-I-R-I-N, H-D-K-I-R-I-N, but I I don't go there right now. It's it's kind of wild. Yeah, it's like orgerific. And so we've yeah. also got... That's not that one. Uh, and lastly, you can find me at Zach Reese. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's been a long podcast, like I said, but I hope you all, all you listeners, really enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be here next week for yet another edition. For now, uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, everyone else, for listening to this. And catch us next week for another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone.